Well, in these times of, uh, of boredom, what better else to do than to uh, put together our very best Sheffield Steelers team? And this is something that Seth Bennett and I have done a thousand times, normally on a plane to Belfast or on a coach trip to Cardiff. And uh, now we've got the maths teacher, Jonathan Fernley, who's going to outstat us all. We thought, what better time than to put an all-time Steelers team together? Problem was, where did we start? Where did we finish? Was it going to take in the uh, ISL? Was it going to take in the Premier League? Were the Priestleys of this world going to be involved with the Warren Norrises? The answer was no. It's an elite league team. And this is how we plan to do it. The three of us are going to uh, diligently give you our best team, made up of all the players during the elite league era. Two goalies, six defencemen, 12 forwards. We've got 14 imports. So a nice... Britishness in there as well. And that's going to be episode one. Episode two is when the three of us are then going to debate each other's teams and we are going to come together with a definitive Elite League All-Star team of the Sheffield Steelers, which of course will be the team I've got written down here um, because I'm in charge. Um, so first of all, Jonathan, good afternoon to you. And um, Seth, you can't have Kent Simpson as your starting goalie. Um, Jonathan, how many times is Ken Simpson's name going to come up this afternoon as uh, as uh, Seth uh, debates his team? I don't know, but Ken Simpson is one of the 244 players who've been on a Steelers roster for an Elite League uh, fixture over the 17 seasons we've got to choose from. So 20 out of 244 is what we've got to decide upon. Seth, aren't you just grateful that Jonathan wasn't on the third seat of all those plane trips we take? Because he would have come out with all of these stats over the years. How many times have we done this between ourselves, Seth? Oh, there must be two dozen, minimum. Must the be. best bit is, I, I think maybe it changed every single time. Every single a player time. here, a player there. Stats do not matter. It is about the heart it's about the head and it's about the passion but i got a feeling seth i got a feeling our man over here he's not going to go for the art and the passion he's going to go for the old calculator and the numbers so that's what's going to make this really interesting um maybe not episode one so much but certainly episode two where we debate who fits in uh, to the team seth you and i have never done an elite league all-star team though have we it's always been across the board so scotty allison doesn't get into this for either of us no and we have no backhand penalty shot to rely upon through the whole of and this the world process. is a worse place because of that it's a worse place well, because I, of that it, it is and I'm, I'm going to go off topic, David, for the first time of probably 57. Did you see that wonderful clip on YouTube of his boy doing the backhand penalty shot recently? I saw that. I saw that. And text Michelle, his, uh, his mum, Scotty's wife as well. Yes. All good. So so how have you gone about your team, Jonathan, before we start? Um, Seth is going to start us off here with his, with his team. Um, but how have you gone about putting your 20-odd your players together? I wanted a team that would actually work as a team. I get really frustrated when you see um, people in, in other sports picking their fantasy football 11s or fantasy cricket 11s, and it just doesn't work because they don't have the right number of opening batsmen or spin bowlers or the midfield doesn't work. I wanted a lineup that would actually take to the ice and make sense in terms of there's a centre on every line. We've got wingers, we've got grinding lines, we've got a checking line, we've got scoring lines, 
We've got defensive pairs that balance. We've got a starting netminder. We've got a specialist backup netminder. It's designed to work as a team that could win. Jonathan, this, this is the elite league. There's no such thing as a specialist backup netminder. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Pick your two best netminders and get on with it. Well, or, that's an argument. You, no, man. You, you can pick your specialist back up and I'm going to run your first. In fact, I might even include John Armstrong just so I can guarantee victory. <laughs> I can see this could be fun. Seth, far away, give us your uh, give us your team and um, talk us through it briefly as you, as you go along. Um, and then when we've gone through the three teams, we'll then go and take a paracetamol and then we'll come back and record episode two. But Seth, where did you start? Let's, let's hear your two goalies. And the reason for them? Well, my two goalies, and one of them is an absolute wild card, which I don't think will have made either of your two rosters. Starting goalie for me has to be Christian Bronsard. His stay was brief. His impact, though, was immense on a season that was hanging by a thread. He only lost one game, and he was one game away from helping the Sheffield Steelers win. A treble, no less. The game he lost was in overtime. The game... Unfortunately for me, uh, who was calling the game was Kim Aarhus with that goal. Chris Ellis from Ice Hockey UK, his favourite goal of all time. Uh, it was a horrible sinking feeling. He never lost in regulation for the Steelers. In the playoffs, his save percentage was over 95. It is a remarkable, remarkable performance. And it was hugely disappointing that he disappeared off to Germany before, for some reason, finishing his career in France. He could have been a Sheffield Steelers superstar. Now, can I give you a BBC story about Christian Bronsard? A BBC oh, story yes, about Bronsard. Um, he flew into Birmingham Airport. He flew from Russia. And your good uh, BBC colleague, uh, Paul Ogden, we got to travel down from Sheffield to Birmingham. And basically, the story was he flew in on the day he would play on the night. And uh, we record uh, Bronsard coming now? out of the air. <laughs> so Bronsard comes out of the uh, airport. He's got all his bags, his hockey bag, his suitcases. He's got a satchel kind of bag with him. And we throw everything in the boot. He won't let this satchel go. Um, <laughs> he gets into the car. We get up to the arena. And he goes and has a sleep in what we call the cause lounge. And he won't let his satchel go. It's his pillar. And he comes. And eventually, he's got to let this satchel go. And he says, listen, there's 100,000 US dollars in this satchel. And that was his payoff from <laughs> Russia. And he wouldn't let it go. So we had to go and put it in the safe at the arena. And I think it stayed there till about two days before he uh, he left. But that was my BBC Christian Bronsard story. There's going to be lots of stories as we go through these names. Okay, you've got us on Bronsard. Who's your backup? Well, clearly Jody Lehman was, was this far away. He brings everything that I love, the heart, the passion, that will to win, that boneheaded desire to dislike anybody that gets him in his way. And of course, a grand slammer with the Coventry Blaze as well. He would have added to the 87 trophies that I have within my lineup. My backup, though, is my wild card. And my wild card is this. Ben Bounds. Go on. There's been no greater British-born goalie. He is listed as ben a Sheffield Bounds, Steelers player. Whilst never played a minute, for two he was on the team sheet. There you go. I think one so of the rules of this committed. competition, though, 
one of the rules of this competition is you're not allowed to have anybody who hates Sheffield Steelers. And he's, he's on record. He's on can, record. Can I just say something? This is not an elite league board meeting. You can't change the rules the moment we get around the table. <laughs> okay, Seth. We can if you have done is immediately begin by saying you've picked a goalie purely on his stats and then disregarded another goalie despite all of his heart, competitiveness and will to win. You've just done are what you kidding me? I'm about to do. Are you, are you kidding me? Christian Bronsard went to bed at half past nine when we were opening <laughs> magnums of champagne. Christian Bronsard was chugged up because he said, somebody's got to effing well win the game tomorrow. And I know I'm going to be starting. And you know what? He won with 12 drunkards in front of him in Nottingham. We had Rhett Gard Gordon single, and uh, Mike Brom. Not the one single us, player. We? we were having to hold him down. Yeah. Not one single... That was the night of the white suits. That, um, not one single player on that team passes a breathalyzer as the first puck he's dropped, except for Christian Brownside. And the other thing is that you and I both paid for that champagne and never got a receipt. No, we didn't. And we did Do we even get a we drink? Didn't. No, anyway, probably not. Those, probably. Okay, there's your goalie, and Bounds. On the back end, who's your... Oh, sh should we actually go through... Should we do another way? Jonathan, let's have your goalies. Okay, I have gone with Jody Lehman for the reasons that Seth went for. Um, the first couple of Jody Lehman seasons weren't spectacular, but the last couple, the last couple certainly were. Um, you know, the 07, 08, 08, 09 seasons... Rarely have I felt more comfortable with a netminder in goal. Even um, Mustakoff's at his peak and, you know, Frank Doyle at his best. Always had complete trust in Jody Lehman that I've not had in any other Steelers goalie. My backup, I have gone for the best person who we signed as a backup and played as a backup and only had relief appearances and, and spot starts in place of other netminders. I've gone with Jeff Woolhouse. Of all the players we've signed as backups, I like Woolhouse over everybody. Okay, I like your choices there. One of the things, Seth, I think with your choices, for going for two important netminders, I think you're wasting it further down the line. We'll come to that in a minute. I, 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 don't, um, think, I, don't, think, I don't think that Rotherham counts as an import place. <laughs> <laughs> He's from Cardiff, he hates Sheffield, he can't be in the team. There's not a chance. Um, the goaltending is... is, is He's just so easy to come up with. And I love Bronside. Bronside was great. We've had some great goalies. But, Seth, hidden in that house downstairs from where you sit right now is your wife and two children. And if you had to pay a goalie for your wife and two children's life and it's everything, the only goalie is Jody Lehman. On a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday, and twice on a Sunday, Jody Lehman is that man. He is the man. He is our best goalie. He is you, the man we go you, to every single time. David, you just said you know, Monday, think... Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, twice on Sunday, except for Wednesday Stoke when he doesn't feel like playing because it's a bit boring and they're not very <laughs> good. Boring. And the rink's damp and he can't really, he can't really Lehman. Yeah, in a playoff Lehman. final. I'm taking the guy that lost one game and not a game in regulation. He is the greatest Steelers goalie of all time. Because he only ever lost once. 
You can't argue with yeah, that. But, but, Two trophies but in under six months for this team. It season. was a cup final at home to Nottingham. You can't lose that game. It's the Challenge Cup final. That's what starts Nottingham off on there. We're the Elite League Challenge Cup dominators. It all starts Kim with Roos. Nice. Kim Roos put him one past right. the glove. Okay, but I'm, I'm also going house as well. Um, I think the very best British backup we've ever had, or the best British goalie we've ever had, is probably Jackson Whistle, but he was there for a cup of coffee and also he never won anything. House played games that helped us win. Um, I think he was a great goalie as well. And Lehman and House are also um, my choices. In episode two, Seth, we can debate who gets their overall starting position, Bronside or Lehman. <coughs> but it'll be Lehman. Um, Seth, take us to your back six, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, who, who, have you, who have you gone for on the back end? Have you gone four and two or have you gone five and one? How have you, how have you worked this? Um, I went four and two and I had a real big problem with naming my number six because the the other one physically and skills-wise is probably a stronger player. So that was where my big tussle was. But let me start with the easier area. My number one defenseman every day of the week will always be Steve Moore. He is the best lockdown defenseman I think the Sheffield Steelers have had. In history, he's one of the few players that came in the Elite League era who would have slotted into that 2000-2001 Grand Slam side without doubt, and he would have improved that team. When you Moore, you look across the ice to that right side, Playing on his off wing, you've got to have Rod Sarich. He's going to give you that dynamic energy. He gives you that ability, that offensive upside to be able to create things. I then think I look at my second pairing. And I think, again, I've gone for two players that can give me a bit of everything. On the left-hand side, mean, nasty, leadership, that grit, that snarl, that captaincy. Everything that you want out of Dion Darling, you know he's going to bring to the rink every night, including in Basingstoke on a Wednesday where he probably has three fights and gets kicked out halfway through the game. Um, he's partnered with Kevin Bollybrook. Smooth, slick, great first pass. Probably the best first pass defenseman that we've had in the history of the Sheffield Steelers. He's going to add playing the right side on the power play as well. He's going to give us a little bit of that. And then it comes to my final pairing, which is an all-Brit pair, where we see... Ben O'Connor, who has done it, he may be the best British, well, no, without doubt, the best British offensive defenseman that we've ever had. The question was, who was going to play with Ben O'Connor? Whoever it was was going to probably lose their hair quite quickly. And maybe I ended up with my final choice, uh, the one with the least hair. Um, Davy Phillips gets the nod over Mark Thomas, but it was such a very, very close run thing. This Both of them have played with Ben. Both of them have been able to deal with the challenges of playing with Ben O'Connor, which are quite a lot because Ben is a complex character. He's a great player and he's going to do great things on the ice. But you have to be a certain kind of character to be able to play with him and, and keep him successful throughout the course of the season. So I've gone with Davy Phillips, but Mark's, Mark Thomas was an absolutely gnat's hair away. Okay, good six, a very good six. I've got a feeling your six is going to be a little bit different, uh, Jonathan. Who, who have you gone with on the back end? I had a very similar thought process to, to Seth, but in the end, David Phillips didn't quite make the cut for me. It came down to whether I wanted 
the extra Brit in defence or the extra Brit as a forward. And ultimately, as we'll see later, I had to go with four British forwards. So there was only room for one British defenceman, which was Ben O'Connor. So I've got Ben O'Connor and I've paired him with Steve Munn. I want my best offensive defenceman alongside my best pure defenceman. So I've got O'Connor and Munn as my first pairing. Um, second pairing, uh, I've also got Rod Sarich, again, for, for all the reasons that have already been given. Um, just, you know, the longevity as well and the, the amount of times that he kept coming back and helping the Steelers out when we really needed it. He's uh, certainly one of the good guys. And I've got him paired with Kevin Bollybrook, a player who I always enjoyed uh, watching and, again, always trusted in uh, in important situations. My third pairing, I've gone for Mark Matheson. And you only realise what you've lost when it's gone. And oh, I wish we still had Mark Matheson this season. Um, you know, the numbers he's been putting up in Nottingham, we we've sometimes forget how good his couple of seasons with us here were. Um, I've got him and I've got Randy Dagenet to round out my defensive unit. Okay. Matheson and Danger coming. I'm pretty much with you, Seth. Um, I looked at Bollabrook. There was two Kevin Bollabrooks, remember? The 2004, who I thought was stunning. He came back a few years later. He wasn't quite the, uh, the same player. Um, you are an idiot and you are a fool if Stephen Money is not your number one choice. And I think anybody doing this at home, and there's been lots of people uh, doing this on Facebook, Steve Munn has to be. I also paired Munn with uh, Rod Sarich as well. Um, Can I stop you there, David? It's too easy. Yeah. You're going to say I'm a great Rod Sarich fan. No, no. <laughs> I'm going to tell you <laughs> the story about how Steve Munn ended up in Sheffield. And I was in a pub with Mike, but I was sitting in the pub on a midweek afternoon with Jody and Steve Munn had all but agreed to go to Coventry, mm. if I'm right in thinking. You're and right. Jody Lehman got on the phone to him, and in my presence, he says, Ah, oh, Mudder, how are you? And I was like, Who's he talking to? Yeah, mate, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. No, no, nowhere near as good. The course that they're offering in Sheffield, way better. It's what you need to do. You need to come to Sheffield. You need to come and no, just just wait, just wait. Let, let me get on the phone, I'll fix it. Let me get on the phone. Let me no no wait. No, wait. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. Puts the phone down and he phoned up whoever it was next. It may well have been you, David. I don't Mike know. Mike O'Connor. Mike O'Connor. I've got this guy and he needs to come to Sheffield. We need to sort him out the university package. He will help us win titles. And he did. And he did. Can you believe that Jody, Jody Lehman also did the NBA? That's, a, that's something completely... <laughs> was, it, was it Jody or Raquel? Paul, Paul Thompson tells a great story that the dean is it of the university in Coventry and Jody are meeting and there's a few other people. And Jody speaks him in, in the third person. He goes, just remember, Jody Lehman does not take exams. And the dean goes, well, Jody, you've got to... No, 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 dean, you don't understand. Jody does not take exams. <laughs> and somehow he ended up with an NBA. Good on him. Good on him. Um, so Munn has to go in. Munn and Sarich have, have to go in. Um, I'll jump to my third pairing before my second pairing. And I was having the same dilemma. It's Ben O'Connor every day of the week. Um, 100%. The easiest of choices. But who do you put with him? I've gone with two British defensemen. Mark Thomas is the heart. Um but David Phillips is the head. 
I think Ben O'Connor's better with Davy Phillips alongside him. I think they understand each other's game. And I just think that Davy Phillips is the, the right guy there. I think if we weren't putting the X amount of Brits in there, we'd have probably put an import in that slot, but we weren't. So Davy Phillips has to make that team. That leaves two imports left. Seth, you and I had an argument with um, a group of fans in a bar in Belfast one night, one of my favourite nights. And we <laughs> sunk a lot of Guinness and we put an awful lot of fans right because as we walked into this bar, they had the audacity to slag the daddy off and we jumped to his defence. Uh, it was a fabulous night, but Dion Darling is in, in my team. If it's a Super League team, a British national to any team, Dion Darling's the kind of man I want in front of me leading me. He's the kind of guy who charges through that brick wall and Dion Darling makes my team 100%. Um, so no brainer, no brainer. I also had a problem on that then that last import defenseman slot. I looked at Tudor, I looked at Cullen Eddy, I looked at Jeremy Domish, I looked at Kevin Ballabrook because I loved Ballabrook. And I ended up going with the defenseman. So actually I wasn't, no, never had a problem with him all the time he was there, but I wasn't that close to him. But I did think he was a very, very good player. And I went with Dustin Cohn. Um, so I go Munsarich, O'Connor Phillips and Darling Cohn. I also think Cohn is the complete reversal of what Dion Darling was. Um, and I think they, they fit each other pretty well, pretty well. In fact, everybody's the complete not a chance. Dion would have absolutely slaughtered uh, Cohn by the end of the Challenge Cup campaign. Um, but I also remember one of my favourite moments with Dion Darling. We had a British defenceman, I won't embarrass him, um, who wasn't perhaps quite as committed as Dion thought he should be. And um, should have been at the rink at five o'clock. And at five past five, the British defenceman's kit bag gets slung out of the dressing room. Uh, his kit gets slung out of the dressing room. His skates get slung out of the dressing room. And he turns up at five past five going, what you done? What you done? And uh, Dion wasn't having him. He got changed in uh, one of the subsidiary uh, dressing rooms for that game and for the next couple of games as well. Dion was having none of it. <laughs> so I loved him for that. I loved him for that. Um, rather than name 12 forwards, Seth, um, let's, let's split this again. Give us your top six and then we'll go for Jonathan's top six, my top six, and then we'll go our bottom six. Um, but uh, yeah. Give us your uh, your top six uh, forwards. Line okay, one. I'm going to go with this. Line one, Talbot Legui Fretter will be my opening gambit. Second line out the blocks, Wah, Dutium, and Dowd. They're okay. gloriously scribbling down. I hear it. Exactly. No, exactly. I like that. I like that. I have a lot in different orders. Jonathan, your top six. Um, similarities, plenty of similarities, um, but I wanted to keep Warren and Fretter together because they played a lot of their hockey together and I think they were at their best together. Um, so I need a centre for that line um, and I've gone with Tyler Mosienko. So I've got War, Fretter and Mosienko as my top unit. And my second line, Legui and Talbot, they have to play together. I've got Robert Dowd on the wing of my second unit. Okay. Um, breaking news, Jonathan, they don't have to play together. Um, <laughs> but they did on your team. Um, I went. Fretter and Wah have to play together. Those two have to play together. 
I went with Ben Simon in the middle of them. I went with Ben Simon in the middle of them. I, and I was saying to this Jonathan, to Jonathan earlier, Seth, before you came to the, uh, to the screen a little later than we planned, um, I actually have omitted Joey Talbot and can't believe I've omitted Joey Talbot. But oh. when I put it together, I just oh. didn't know where it fitted in. And I've gone with the magical one in the middle of Brendan Connolly and Levi Nelson. That's where I've gone. So Wah, Simon Fretter, Nelson, the magical one, and Brendan Connolly. Um, Have you got some good penalty killers, David? <laughs> yes, I might need them. I might. Need... I have my bottom six is outstandingly <laughs> good. Okay, then Seth, uh, what about your bottom six? Uh, you're going to need some penalty killers, I think. Uh, yeah, probably not as many as you mind with your first line that you're throwing probably. out there. Um, <laughs> Look, this was where I started to get myself in a, a little bit of trouble. Do you go Liam Kirk, that massive potential who, you know, could go on to be the best British player uh, that's played in the Elite League era for the Sheffield Steelers? We don't know that yet. We're going to have to wait and see what he does with the rest of his career. I've gone with Ashley Tate as my British forward on my third unit. He's won so much. A grand slammer uh, in his time in Coventry. He won again in his time at Sheffield. He's got, what, 15, 16 trophies in the Elite League era. Uh, a phenomenally gifted player that, that just knows what to do and managed to, to do his job to, not quite perfection every time, but he knew what he needed to do to help the team win. I've got Ben Simon at centre, and then on the left-hand side, maybe predictably, uh, Kent Simpson is going to come in. You've got to remember... Ken Simpson, is he? Ken Simpson? How did he get in? Leading scorer in his time in the Elite League. And then, on top of that, you've got to remember, he is a grand slammer as well. He went on to go and play straight out of the Elite League, or out of the ISL as it was, into the DEL. He came back for more stints with the Steelers, won again with the Sheffield Steelers, uh, and then won again with the Sheffield Steelers in his third stint. He, he was a remarkable player, and I think too often uh, people forget what he was able to do. Remember, he was a walk-on. The, the first time he came to the Sheffield Steelers, nobody expected him to do anything. He ended up scoring double digits. So he gets in, great penalty killer, maybe the best penalty killer we've ever had. I think if you're looking for heart and soul, though, my last line has to be it. And he's got two captains and one guy that probably should have been the Sheffield Steelers captain, had the captain not already been the captain for a number of years. And you've got to say, captain, oh my captain, Jonathan Phillips, he starts on the left side. Oh, captain, oh, my captain, straight down the middle. He's going to bite your legs. He's going to slash your ankles. And he may even nibble on your ear and look out if he throws punches because his left's coming first. Mike Perron will centre that line. And on the right-hand side, he's another tough, mean, nasty dude that is in the business of winning, David. Guillaume Debienne. One of my favourite Sheffield Steelers of the modern era. I think he could have played in any era as well. Guillaume Debienne. Okay, so Seth Bennett's the first, Jonathan, to uh, show his hand. He's gone with Bronsard and Bounds. He's gone with Munsarich, Darling, Bolabrook, O'Connor and uh, Phillips. He's then gone with Talbot Leguay and Colton Fretter. He split, he split Fretter and Wire up because um, he's come back with Dowd and Wire either side of Dutium. 
He's then gone Simpson and Ashley Tate, either side of Ben Simon. And he's come back with Jonathan Phillips, Mike Perron and Guillaume Gibbien. Well, Jonathan, Seth has finally uh, come up with his, uh, his whole team. You've still got your bottom six left. Uh, which way did you go? What direction? Uh, some similarities and some differences. I've also got Ashley Tate. Um, I don't think there's going to be many arguments for him. His numbers are better than you think they're going to be, better than you remember them to be. He had a, a big impact for a lot of different Steelers teams. I've got John Armstrong, and again, you'd be surprised by his numbers. Take a look at what John Armstrong's done. Take a look at what Colton Frett has done and realise that there's probably not much difference between the two of them. When we know how great Colton Fretter was, I don't think we appreciate at the moment how good John Armstrong is. So I've got Tate and Armstrong, and I've got them with Ryan Finity. And Dave, your line on commentary about Ryan Finity in the playoff final, the man for the big occasion. And when it came down to big occasions for the Steelers, those playoff finals, Finity stood tall. He always stood tall. He was one of my favourite Steelers um, during uh, his time as a player. and. I, I had to get him in my team somewhere, and I've got him on the third line with Armstrong and Ashley Tate. I, I've got to interrupt you, Jonathan. I've got to interrupt you very briefly. He had to stand tall because he's only five foot six, and he's listed at five foot nine and a half. <laughs> As someone who's five foot five, I appreciate the shorter player. <laughs> uh, okay, your fourth line, Jonathan. Fourth line, Jonathan Phillips again. No debate or argument required for uh, for his inclusion. I've also got Guillaume Debien, um, for all the reasons that Seth's mentioned, the impact that he has. I do wonder, if someone else had scored that goal in overtime against Nottingham, would Debien have made our team? And the more I think about it, the more I realise yes. that, yes, he would. Every team yes. needs a player like Guillaume Debien. So it's not just uh, a pick just based on one goal. It's, it's based on his full body of work and the character around the dressing room. I say we're building a team here and uh, I want him in my team. <clears throat> this is where I'll be different from most others because I only picked the one British defenseman in O'Connor. I need the extra British forward, but I have no problem in putting Jason Hewitt into any great Sheffield Steelers team. A leader in penalty minutes, if we that sort of thing. It just shows how much himself on the line of the Steelers over the years. Plenty of great penalty killing. And uh, part of that great Steelers core over the uh, duration of the Elite League. Okay, so thank you, Jonathan. So Jonathan goes with Lehman and Woolhouse, Matheson and Dagenet. Randy will be delighted. Um, Savage and Bolabrook, O'Connor and Munn comes back with Wa Mosienko, honestly, and Freta, uh, Laguay, Talbot and Dowd, Armstrong, Finity and Tate, Phillips, Hewitt and Dibien. Um, I still can't believe I haven't got Joey Talbot in my um, my lineup, but I haven't. He, he had to make way in this uh, unit. My bottom six, um, I'm going with Jeff Laguay in the middle. I don't think you could have a Steelers team without Leggy in it. Um, and I've got Dowd and Ashley Tate on uh, his two wings. Um, and then, Seth, uh, you went with captains uh, on your fourth unit. Um, I, like the pair of you, have gone with Jonathan Phillips and uh, Guillaume Debien. I, I think that was a, a no-brainer. I'll tell you where I was, just looking at my notes at first. I think the best fourth-line centre we've ever had is Jared Hagos. And I thought he was phenomenally good. But um, I, and I, I refer to one night in Cardiff. I mean, one in Cardiff, he was supreme. Um, 
I remember the last minute of the game, he pretty much held on to the puck the whole whole 60 seconds. I really did like Hagos, but you can't have a Steelers team without Ryan Finity. And that meant Perron missed out for me, and I went with Finity over Perron. So um, my team is Lehman and Woolhouse, Munn and Saric, Darling and Cohn, O'Connor and Phillips, and then I come back with Wah, Simon and Fretter, Levi Nelson, um, the magical one, uh, Mark Dudium and Brendan Connolly. And then I go with Dowd, Leguay and Tate, Jonathan Phillips, Ryan Finity and Debian. Now, here's the interesting one. The coach. Who coaches your team? Um, we've had a lot of good coaches. In fact, we had four in one year um, to, uh, to start the era off. I always remember Kent Simpson at the Supporters Club dinner dance making a presentation to Paul Heavey as the players coach of the year because they'd had so many of them um <laughs> but uh Seth who, who coach who coaches your team and why I've got an old school team I think if you're telling this lot to be there doing their stretches at 9 a.m on a Monday after a 2 a.m finish on a Sunday <laughs> night I don't think you're going to see too many of them there that's not to say they're unprofessional but I think they're of a different era. And I think you need a coach of a different era uh, to be able to get the most out of this bunch, which is essentially kick the gate open and let them go. From time to time, curb their tempers and deal with the... Well, you, you probably don't even need to deal with the room, to be honest. That's going to take care of itself. So for me, it's a coach that's not too fancy, but a, a coach that everybody would want to play for. And the best coach for that in Sheffield Steelers history is Mike Blaisdell. I think he coaches this to an awful lot of success. I'm very conflicted in this because I think the best coach in Sheffield Steelers history is Paul Thompson. I think in terms of X's and O's, in terms of what he did for changing the mentality of the hockey club and bringing it into the new era. But I've selected a team from a different era. So maybe I don't want Paul Thompson to be the coach of, of that club. <coughs> Dave Matsos was the other one that was in the picture for me. And, and he would be close with this group because I think he would do very well with them. But I think when push comes to shove, I need to be entertained. You've got to think of me between periods. You've got to think of me in the interviews. You've got to think of me, not anybody else. And that's why Mike Blazer gets the nod. Blazer was the best interview. <laughs> the best interview. Jonathan, who coaches your team? Nobody that Seth's mentioned so far. He's mentioned a lot of names and I considered all of them. Um, but I want I want goals. I like watching my team score lots of goals. And the Steelers coach that we scored the most goals under is Ben Simon. We think we scored a lot this season under Aaron Fox. Simon's team blew that out of the water. Even when you account for the fact that they had all those blowaway games against the uncompetitive uh, Edinburgh and Newcastle teams, remove those and they still outscored this season's team. Terrific entertainment and you know, that team fought as well. They hit hard. Ben Simon, first game, first shift, big check in the corner. He wants his team playing a physical game, but you're getting the goal output as well. He's not going to stifle this uh, offensive output. I want Ben Simon. Also, if someone else gets injured, he can slot straight into the lineup. I was just going to say that. I was just looking at your lineup. I'll allow you, Ben Simon. Uh, because you haven't got him as a player. And the greatest ever Steelers elite league team can't have a player coach. Um, but you've no. got him in there as a as an actual as an actual coach. Let him have his way. We haven't debated it yet, Seth. It's okay. We'll soon remove him from that. Um, 
I actually not the first time David you've removed the coach before he's even <laughs> take charge of the team. <laughs> very true, very true. Um, I obviously knew where everybody would think my allegiances would go here. So actually, this morning on the coaching front, I phoned several players of different eras um, and asked their advice on who the best Steelers coach was. Um, and I spoke to players who played for several of them. And unfortunately, none of them had played for Mike. And Mike is my favourite. My favourite time in hockey was those years spent with Blazer. The funniest times, I, I have the twitch courtesy of Darren Brown and Mike Blaisdell. Um, so I'm reminded of those two individuals every day. I, I go through the Matsas era, I go through all of that. Um, and this is how it came out. The players said that the best coach from a player's point of view, the, the one, the best man management would have been David Matsas. He got a lot of ticks. Um, Paul Thompson then got them for motivation and also for the X and O's. Um, funny enough, Tom Barrasso didn't get any votes. Um, breaking news but i gotta go with the guy i've worked he with all of them as much as i love yeah not in sheffield and the world begins and ends in sheffield seth you know that um so i gotta go with the guy who i think is the best coach that's ever coaches and i think that is paul um so i'm gonna go with uh with paul thompson yeah at a horrible end um to hysteria steelers um career um but whilst he was with us, I think he's changed a lot of the things that we see today. And I also think he could man-manage and he's a he's a good all-round bet there. So Seth goes with Mike Walter Blaisdell. Um, Blaise, if you're watching, do apologise. There is episode two where we debate this. Um, ben Simon won't be watching at all. He couldn't care less, I don't think. Um, and uh, I don't think Tom will watch either, but I've voted for him. So... Are you, are you happy with your lots before we start debating them position by position? Seth, is there any last-minute changes you want to make on the roster? Look, I think there are a few players that, that deserve a mention that we haven't mentioned so far. I think Stefan Meyer was a remarkably yes. good player. And had he ever come back to the Sheffield Steelers, he could have had a huge, huge impact on being a massive fan favourite long-term and somebody that could have gone on to win more trophies. And he would have been in the mix, I think. He was somebody I really liked. Stephen Gertson is another one that when I was writing it down, if I maybe had one more import, I think I might have thrown Gertson on the Perron, Gertson, Debbie N line. And I don't believe anybody would have scored against them all season long. I would have been and it would have been slashed and they would have been hacked and they would have been hit, and they would have got to the point of raising that white flag up to the arena board. I, I think that that would have been a super line. But Stephen Gerson was another player I really enjoyed watching play. Um, and, you know, I, I think he had a, a, a real shot of Steve. One of the best interviews you could ever do is Stefan Meyer. Um, every time you asked him a question, he would give you a couple of seconds and you'd be silent and you think, oh my God, there's nothing there. And then he'd have thought it, he'd have processed it and he'd have delivered um, a perfect, really well thought out answer. I used to love interviewing um, uh, Stefan Meyer. A few honourable mentions. Eric Anderson, Seth, was somebody that, that might have just made his way into the team at one point, especially at the position of centre Dan Tessier. I mean, God, 
Jonathan and his stats, I think Dan Tessier certainly deserved uh, a mention. Mosienko, I can't see at all. Forney, you know, if we're bringing Wire and Fretter, you know, Forney was prolific in, in, in that year. And I think the most underestimated player was Freddie Vestberg. But I think if Vestberg had played the second season for us, I think he might have made his way in somewhere along the line. But folks, you have... Uh, the best elite ice hockey league all-star Sheffield Steelers team of Seth Bennett, of Jonathan Fernley, and of myself, David Sims. Now the three of us are going to debate and we're going to argue uh, over whose team was best and uh, we're going to come up with a definitive Sheffield Steelers team. Uh, we'll hear from Jonathan in a moment. But Seth, first of all, remind us of, uh, of your 20 players. Just off, uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, two goalies, six defencemen, 12 forwards, 14 imports of rest, indigenous British players. Um, and Seth, your lineup was? The ultimate elite Sheffield Steelers team, you mean? That's what we're talking <laughs> about right here. My lineup. Uh, pretty simple. Yeah, two goalies, Bronsard and my wild card, Ben Bounds. Okay, he didn't ice a minute, but he is the best British goalie that's ever been produced. And he's gone on to world championships. And whilst there are others you're going to throw in there, he is the great, greatest backup that never played for the Sheffield Steelers, and that's a pretty decent list. Uh, as for the forwards, Talbot, Legui, and Fretta was my line numero uno. Line two, Wah Dutium, the magical one at centre, with Robert Dowd, the golden child. Simpson, Simon, and Ashley Tate make up my third unit. What a bunch of penalty killers we have there, the work rate of Simon, the speed of Simpson, and then we have the ultimate O-captain, my captain, Grindline, Phillips, Perron, and Debian. You would not want to play against them. They're like a dog with a bone every single night. As for the defensive core, well, it's pretty simple. There is no greater defense when the Sheffield Steelers have had than Steve Munn. He's the guy that you're going to strap your, your wagons to, and he's going to take you to the promised land. Rod Sarich, one of the most gifted skaters the Sheffield Steelers have ever had. You've got the daddy, the mean and nasty streak, the captain who will call you out in the locker room, on the bench, on the ice, in the bar, wherever you're doing wrong, Dion Darling is there to set you back on track. He's going to play with Kevin Bolibrook, just oozes class, can do a bit of everything for you. And then the final two, my two British defensemen, one of the most gifted offensive players, irrespective of the fact that, that he's British in Ben O'Connor. And you have to have somebody with him. And I said, playing with Ben O'Connor can cause you to lose your hair. Well, no better player to play with him than Davy Phillips, who uh, is losing his hair. All the passion, all the emotion uh, there from Seth Bennett. Put some statistical analysis to it, Jonathan. Bring it back to a level kill. What was your Steelers elite side? Yeah, all my players have iced for the team. I've got Jody Lehman in goal, backed up by Jeff Woolhouse, the best backup. Statistically, the numbers say no netminder who was signed as a backup and played as a backup put up better numbers than Jeff Woolhouse. Defensively, again, Steve Munn's there. I've got him with Ben O'Connor, the best British defenceman the Steelers have had on their roster. Saric and Bollybrook make up my second defensive pair. And I've gone for Mark Matheson, whose numbers were outstanding in his two years in Sheffield. I've got him paired with Randy Dagenet. Forward-wise, I've tried to keep together the best pair of forwards the Steelers have had in the Elite League. Wah and Fretter, and the other best pair, Tolbert and Legui. So I need someone else to go on those lines. I've gone with Tyler Mosienko, 
and I've gone with Robert Dowd. My third line, Ashley Tate, John Armstrong and Ryan Finity. Every Steelers team has to have a player like Ryan Finity. He's the man for the big occasion. I always want him on my roster. My fourth line, again, the captain, Jonathan Phillips, Guillaume Debienne, and I've got Jason Hewitt because I'm going with four British forwards and one British D. Those are the thoughts then of uh, Jonathan Fernley. There must have been a little bit of interference on the line, Seth, then. I, I don't know if you caught it. He sounded like Jonathan mentioned the words Tyler and Masienko, but I would imagine that must have just been some kind of like flutter in the internet or something. I don't know if well, you heard that. For, for me, David, it sounded a little bit like Masienko, Masienko. Must be the it, it must be. It must be a problem. It's late at night when we're recording this. Boys, let me tell you where you've all been going wrong because this is the definitive Sheffield Steelers lineup. A man for the occasion, the man that would cure single handedly the coronavirus given half a chance, um, the man that would, uh, well, the man that if your house was about to burn down would rescue it, um, Jody Lehman in goal for the Sheffield Steelers, and the man who helped him. Helped us win a championship, Jeff Woolhouse and Jonathan, you're absolutely right on your choice of goalies. Um, Munn is possibly the biggest, easiest, simplest no-brainer in this team. Um, he plays alongside Rod Saric. Dion Darling, I agree with you, Seth. Um, no-brainer. I went with Dustin Cohn. We talked about it in episode one. That fourth input slot for me, you know, I looked at Shudra, I looked at uh, Eddie, I looked at Jeremy Domish. But I, I went with Cohn. He had outstanding ability. Um, and then for my two British defencemen, Mark Thomas was right in there. But I just felt that Davy Phillips edged Mark Thomas. I'm sorry, Tomo. And nobody edges Ben O'Connor. Nobody edges Ben O'Connor. So that was my defensive uh, lineup. Up front, I think Wire and Fretta are the best one two punch we've had in the Elite League era. I think they edge Le Guin Talbot because they. The standard was just a little bit higher when when Warren Fretter came around. And and I am a lover of, of Talbot and Le Guin. Even though Talbot somehow hasn't managed to make my team, I've got a feeling he'll make our definitive team, but he, he didn't make my team. Because I went with, as a second unit, Magical Mark, duty him out to be in it. And, and I went with Connolly because I think... He's just a typical Sheffield Steeler. He has to go in. And the other guy was Levi Nelson. So Nelson, Dudium and Connolly. On my third unit, Legui does centre that third unit. Doubt the golden child. I think the best British forward in the league. Um, in the league, in the elite league era of the league, not just of the Sheffield Steelers. He is a very special player, Robert Dowd. And on the other side, a perennial winner, Ashley Tate. So I think that's a no-brainer as well. I agree with you, Seth, on that fourth line. Jonathan Phillips has to make it. And so does Guillaume Debienne. And you know that I love Pernsey. I didn't love him quite as much as you. He wasn't one of the ushers at my wedding. Um, but if I ever get married again, Ryan Finity might be. And Ryan Finity makes it in place of Perron in my lineup. And that was the um, definitive lineup. We never talked about coaches. As you'd expect, I'd go with Paul Thompson. Seth, you went with. Uh, Michael Walter Blaisdell, or Blazer. Michael Walter Blaisdell, with a dog called Sheffield as well, just to remind any Nottingham fans uh, that are listening. And Jonathan, who did you go with behind the bench? I couldn't quite my team, my overall team, but my team's coached by Ben Simon. And we allowed you, Ben Simon, because we don't allow player coaches, but you were the one who didn't pick a... Uh, 
You didn't pick Simon as a player. You just picked him as a coach. So, boys, this is how we're going to do this. We're going to go through position at a time. The goal is the defence, the top six and the bottom six. And let's see if we can agree on a definitive. We have two votes for Lehman, Jonathan, you and me. And we have one for Christian Bronsard. So I think we just arrogantly throw Lehman in there unless Seth can make an absolute case for Bronsard that can convince either Jonathan or myself. Feel free, Seth. Statistically, there is no greater goalie for the Sheffield Steelers than Christian Bronsard in what he did. He lost one game, one game out of all of the games he played in the second half of that season. He won games that no other goalie in the history of the Sheffield Steelers would have won. I'll take you back to that game in Nottingham. The reason he won it, there isn't another goalie in the history of the Sheffield Steelers that wouldn't have been up until six in the morning like the rest of the players. Christian Bronsard was fast asleep in bed. He led the Sheffield Steelers in a way that none of us would have imagined. Had you been able to do your job properly, David, and got him back on another contract for multiple years, then the Steelers Steelers would have seen Bronsard as not just a one-season wonder or a half-season <clears> wonder, but they would have seen him lead them to multiple trophies in the same way Jody Lehman led them at a later stage. He was very special. He makes a good case, Jonathan. Bronsard was very special. But for me, Lehman was the guy that, at a time of need, I'd walk into the dressing room and I'd look at Jody and I'd always say to him, we're okay. And if Jody looked back and went, we're okay, I was confident, I was comfortable. I had the feeling Jody was the man that was just leading the way. He wasn't just leading the, the goaltending, he was leading the defence, the forwards, he led the club. Um, he decided which film didn't go on the bus because he always wanted to sleep because it was a boring so-and-so at that time. He, he was the guy who, who just, to me, epitomised Shefford. He was a Debian. He was a guy who says, get on my back, I'm going to take you forward. And I just can't imagine a Sheffield Steelers team. And we've done this in the Elite League era, but if we'd have opened it up to the Super League and we'd have had Lang and O'Neill and Torture and Cowley and Martin Mackay, we would have still gone, I think, with, with, with Jody. I would still go with Jody Lehman. And uh, no. Jonathan... David, Mark, we've done it. And you never have. You've never gone with Jody when we've got opened up all the goalies in the history of the Steelers. You have never gone with Jody Lehman as your number one. You've always gone, I hate him. I hate him, but Mike O'Neill. No, I could never have Mike O'Neill. No, irritating okay. little man. The little numbers. Man I, have a, I have a player in your all-time Sheffield Steelers team that suffers with little man syndrome. And O'Neill suffered with little man syndrome. Jonathan, I'm voting Lehman. Seth is voting Christian Bronsard. Be the voice of reason. The numbers for Bronsard are outstanding. And not even the sort of, oh, small sample size. They didn't play many games. Got it here. Save percentage, 94.4. Goals against 1.27. Those numbers are so far out ahead of everybody else. It's it's ridiculous. Do you know who's second? Either of you. Who's got the second best? Save percentage goals against. Jody Lehman. No, no. You know who it is? I, I bet it's Passy Reitonen. Which shows maybe it wasn't all about the netminder that season. Because if our second best netminder statistically is the nine games Passy Reitenden played, 
including a couple of shutouts and a big 5-0 against Nottingham the day after Boxing Day in front of a huge crowd. If Passy Reitonen, who came to the Steelers after conceding four and a half a game in the BNL with Hull and a save percentage <coughs> touching 85, how much better was Bronsard than Reitonen? Yeah, a bit better, but we won that league by so much. We probably would have won that league with Reitonen. Well, let me give you two oh. stories quickly <clears throat> before Seth combusts. Firstly, remember the standard was not great in that year. It wasn't great. Our third line was the best third line in the league, and it was Ryan Lake, Mark Lefebvre, and Steve Ellis. And that was the best. That's how good a goalie you've got to be. You've got to know what's in front of you. That's how good you have to be to have a 94 point whatever save percentage when you've got that in front of you. He had Barney Rule him. Listen, let me quickly tell you a Passy Wrightenden story. Boxing Day, Passy Wrightenden's got the call, 24 hours notice. He's a little bit hungover. He turns up in Nottingham. And um, Davy Lawrence, I think, was our backup goalie. And Passy turns up and he's fat and he's chubby and he goes to shake Dion Darling's hand and he takes his hand out of his pocket and a load of sweets fall on the floor. <laughs> and the Perons and the Darlings of this world, they weren't over impressed with Passy Ryan. And so they, they walk onto the bench where Mike Blaisdell and I were sitting at the time and they try and make an impassionate plea that, listen, let's go with Davy Lawrence. We don't need to go with Passy. Let's go with Davy Lawrence. We know exactly what we're getting with Davy. We'll protect Davy. This big fat Finnish guy who eats sweets, we're not going to go with him. Blazer goes, no, not a chance. We're definitely going with Passy. So Peran and Dudium and Darling, and they're all unhappy. They walk back into the dressing room. Passy has started to get undressed, and Passy will be the first to admit he hasn't got the figure of the likes of myself. He's a big chubby guy. And he also wore a leopard skin thong. And the boys walk in and they see this fat guy in a leopard skin thong and they go, this is ridiculous. And they come back out onto the bench and they go, you've got to be kidding me. This is not going to happen. Blazer again convinces them it's going to happen. And I think we win the game. Did we win it 3-0? I think we win it 3-0. <clears throat> we go back the next yeah. night into Sheffield. I think we beat Nottingham 4-2. Passy is a hero from that day onwards. So... <clears throat> a good passy writing and story. But have you changed your mind, Jonathan? It's 1 1 at the moment. We're in overtime, and you have now got to make the decision who gets that final slot in goal. Is it Lehman? Is it Bronsard? <clears throat> I'll just correct you on the scores. You're right on the results. Right, and did win both of those Christmas games against the Panthers. It was 7 3 on the road, it was 5 0 at home. He even stopped a 2 1 0 break at one point in that shutout, uh, in that shutout win. No, I'm sticking with Jody Lehman. Now, the numbers for Lehman are exceptional, of course they are. Um, but mainly in his final couple of seasons, his first couple of Steelers seasons <clears throat> weren't outstanding. I remember when we first picked him up thinking, oh, great, we've got a Grand Slam goalie here. And then spending a year and a half being a bit disappointed with him. But when those big games came, when the title run-ins were, uh, were happening <clears throat> and when the playoff finals were happening, we got the absolute best of Jody Lehman and I trust him in a big game and I want him uh, I want him in this team so yeah Jonathan Jody just confirmed gets the vote. confirmed to me did Jonathan did Lehman win the last two playoff finals 2-0 against Coventry and then 2-0 against Nottingham yeah that's not the only shutout he had in a final for the Steelers either he had a shutout in the uh, knockout cup final as well so yeah big games Jody Lehman's there for us and Seth I love Bronside but 
go with us on this one. What other player in the history of the Sheffield Steelers would win a playoff final against them like down the road? And on the buzzer, on the buzzer, would not turn to his coach, would not turn to his players, would not turn to his own fans, but would skate into the middle of the Nottingham fans and bang the glass and go, screw you. That in itself has got to put Lehman in the all-time Sheffield stump. Seth? Uh, I've been outvoted. I've been outvoted. You have? You know, you have, I'm not going to change you your mind. <laughs> no, I'm not going to get outvoted. It happens once. Okay, I'm sure you'll win your way on a couple of the other ones. Um, Jonathan, I think we'll bully Seth on the second goalie as well. Firstly, we can't have a man who hates the Sheffield Steelers in an all-time Sheffield Steelers um, lineup, and secondly, we can't have a man who actually has never played for the Sheffield Steelers uh, in an all-star Sheffield Steelers team, can we? It has to be Wallace, doesn't it? Bronsard, Wrightonard, Woolhouse. Statistically, Woolley has got the third best numbers, but again, when he was trusted. He came up big. The 2010-11 season is going to be a tight race. We know it's going to be tight. And Irvin's Mustakovs has got to go off for a weekend to play for Latvia. Holloway, mm. Nottingham at home. It's February and it's tight. He gets us the win in Hull, 7-5. And he gets us as far as penalties. Those three points were massive. We won that title on tiebreakers. We needed every point we got. The only two games he started... He did his job. You'll take three points out of four from a backup every single time. When he came in subsequent seasons in replacement of DeCaro, excellent. That's why the numbers are so high. He was so reliable, gave the starter a night off and won the games without any fuss at all. The standard of the league is going up. Yeah, he was maybe <clears> only playing the, the teams towards the bottom of the standings, but he didn't disappoint. And the coach could kept saying, yeah, <clears> get out there. We trust you. He did the job time and time and time again. You've, you're going to put Jeff Wallhausen as your number two. Who's going to be your number three and your number four? Because, you know, playing devil's advocate here, Wallhouse struggled to put half a season together without, without getting injured, even as a backup. We're playing a game for our lives. He's only got to play 60 minutes. It's a game for our lives this team is playing. Well, exactly. Don't you remember? <clears throat> yeah. Christian Bronsard wasn't here long enough to get injured. <laughs> oh... I think he probably played more minutes than Woolhouse in less than half a season than Woolhouse played in five years. Great Woolhouse. Yeah, yeah, but a Woolhouse about another four, 450 more minutes for Bronsard than Woolhouse all time. <laughs> Do you want a Woolhouse story, Jonathan? <laughs> Always. Always. Two o'clock in the morning, phone rings. <clears throat> Lean out of bed, pick the phone up. Hello? And it's Finna. And it's the night before a game in Dundee. And I have the feeling at two o'clock in the morning, Ryan might have had a couple of drinks. And he goes, in a very drunken Canadian accent, house is starting tomorrow in Dundee. And I go, why on earth is house starting tomorrow in Dundee? It's a big game. I've promised Johnny tonight that house is starting. And basically, Johnny DeCaro has taken Finna out drinking the night before a Scottish doubleheader weekend. And both of them are worse <laughs> than where. And uh, whatever, Finn, I mean, I put the phone down at quarter past two in the morning, whatever it is. Anyway, about half past nine, the phone goes in the morning and I'm still in Birmingham and Ryan is sobered up and he's on the bench and he goes, did I phone you last night? I said, yes, Ryan, you did. He said, what did I tell you? 
I said, you told me that house was going to start. You'd been out with Johnny and, and Finna had totally forgotten it, <laughs> the conversation. And house had turned up with his kit bag and he got on and he looked at Finna as he got onto the bench and I'm starting tonight, coach, stick with me. And Johnny had walked on and got his sunglasses on. He wasn't starting. <laughs> and uh, Finna had forgot all about this drunken promise he'd made to DeCaro. But fortunately, House won the game up in Dundee. House gets the vote. Lehman gets the vote. Our goaltending is now sorted, boys. It is now sorted. We move on to the defence. I think as far as the defence goes, we have no arguments at all over Steve Munn because we've all gone for him and I think we all think he was a, an incredible player. Um, Saric is the other one we both go for, yes? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Bolibrook seems we O'Connor is the one that we all go for as well. So let's 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 keep Benny yeah. in there as well. The big question here is whether we go four defensemen or five defensemen. Um, Seth, you and I have gone four defensemen. Um, Jonathan has gone five import defensemen. Um, so we we will obviously cross that bridge when we uh, we come to it. I went with Dustin Cohen. I was the only one who went with Dustin Cohen. You two both went with Bolabrook. Um the, the big thing about Cohen, and we discussed this before, you suggested he could play with Dion Darling. We both agreed he wouldn't make it through the first day of training session, uh, of, of training camp, with Dion Darling as his partner. So I think we've got to just kick that one into touch before we even get started. Okay, so I, I, I give you Cohen. Um, oh, Jonathan, you didn't have Darling in your lineup. Um, I can't. I wouldn't be opposed time. to having Dion Darling in my lineup again. He's uh, uh, he just one of good. I'd like to see you argue with him. Cut. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody. Yeah, I don't think anybody wants that. <laughs> uh, I think the daddy hat. So we got Mun and Sarich. We got we got Darling and O'Connor. Um, so then the question is whether we go with, and we've all decided that Phillips is ahead of Thomas. So. So, can is I just make the argument other then of Phillips ahead of my British forward? Because I've gone Jason Hewitt. After pick two, I love it, but I'm taking the British Bulldog, Phillips. So, that's the I made. Are you two going to overrule that? Do you need the extra space for the import forwards? But why? Why would you do that? Uh, balance. i ju just got to get the players that I wanted in. Um, and I basically chose... Uh, <laughs> essentially chose Matheson over some of the other forwards. So I need I, the fifth I am the, defenseman. I am the chairman of chairman of the Jason Hewitt fan club. Absolutely love Jason Hewitt. On the ice, off the ice. But he doesn't make the all-time greatest Sheffield Steelers team, in my opinion. And I think Davy Phillips is a better addition because he gives you more. Um, we've, we've got Matheson. We've still got an import slot left. So we can we can we can discuss Matheson. I think the question we're discussing now is whether we go with the two Brits on the back end or the one. And if we only go with the one on the back end, we've got some very awkward decisions to make. We're basically saying if we go with one import, if, if we go with one British defenseman, Jason Hewitt makes this team. So I don't want to make it about Jason Hewitt right off the bat, but does Jason Hewitt make your all-star Sheffield Steelers team, Seth? Uh, no, he doesn't. Well. If, if you're going to go with that, maybe you have to look at other British players that maybe you would bring into the equation. And at that point... Well, then would you bring Colin Shields in? Or would you bring in Liam Kirk? 
or would you potentially have a look around and see if there was somebody else that, that you know tickled your fancy in a different way? Maybe I I don't know. I I like you know we're talking about about a, a defenseman who played in the American League in Davy Phillips. We're talking about a guy who's gone and he's played the top tier of the World Championships with Great Britain, as averse to. Jason Hewitt, with the best will in the world, the highest level he ever played was with the Sheffield Steelers. And to me, you just can't have a look at that and just see it as being like for like. You know, I think you're picking from from different salary shelves and I think you're picking from from different shelves in terms of the calibre and ability of the players. I know that my discount at Bauer is now out of the window and that's very frustrating because my son only wants to use Bauer products. Um, but but I think the reality is we're not talking about the same level of player, and so it isn't a like for like choice, in my opinion. Okay, Seth, are we bullying Jonathan on this one then? And we're going with Davy Phillips, and then we need one more import defenseman with Mun, Darling, and Saric. Jonathan is going to make a big case, I think, here for Mark Matheson. Far away with that case, um, Jonathan. The numbers from his 17-18 season are ridiculous and unsurpassed by other import defensemen that we've had. 65 points, no import D has ever had more assists than that. No defenseman has ever had more assists than that for the Sheffield Steelers during a season. We've got so many quality forwards. We need to make sure there's the supply line there. I want Mark Matheson in my team. But... There's the extra longevity of a Dagenet or a Bollybrook. I'm, I'm willing to be convinced by you guys on this one. I'm not particularly keen to argue can, too heavily one way or the other. So I'm well, I happy think, with... I think we can, well, I've picked all three in my I team, so I'm happy for any of those to make the final spot. I think we can cut three into two. I mean, Matheson, Bollybrook, I think are at a different level. God, he's going to watch this as well. And he's one of life's all-time good people. And if you put in a, a Steelers list of all-time good people, Randy Dagenet probably captains that team. But is Randy Dagenet one of the six best defensemen, one of the four best import defensemen that have ever played for the Steelers in the Elite League era? I don't think danger is. I think it's a straight choice myself between, if you like, on the left, Jonathan, and on the right, Seth's choice of, of Kevin Bollerbrook. Seth? I think Kevin Bollerbrook just gives you a little bit of everything. He is a serial winner as well. If you look throughout his career, he has gone and won. He's won in Denmark. He's won in the UK on a couple of occasions as well. He has that American League experience. He has that Team Canada experience. He is somebody that has the ability to change how your hockey club looks. On the other side of that, off the ice, he's somebody that is a great addition to your locker room because he was somebody that could float between each of the different camps in there. And even when the Sheffield Steelers locker room at times was at its most split, and I would say that was probably one of the times would have been in the Ben Simon era where you had different camps doing different things at different times. And God loved Ben Simon because he did very well to get it through to the end of the season. But he was a, a rookie coach that made an awful lot of mistakes in how he treated some of his older players. Uh, and this is why he's not going to be the coach of our club when we, we move forward. Um, but Kevin Bollerbrook was somebody that found that middle ground between Ben Simon 
and the rest of the team when he needed to do it. Simon was this intense character that expected everybody did things his way and there was no other way to operate, as far as I could see it. Yet, on the ice, in the locker room, and then away from the rink, he was one of those that was able to just bump between the, the coach and maybe knock off some of those rough edges at times and, and allow that dialogue to take place. And, and Kevin Bollerbrook, he gives you that. And he's going to be the one that maybe will, will just rub off the edge of, of Dion Darling when he's being a bit too gnarly in that locker room and causing absolute mayhem in there. Um, but on the ice, smooth skating. For me, he's the best first pass defenseman the Sheffield Steelers have ever had. And when we've got all of these flying forwards around, you've got to be able to get them the puck. And one thing that Bollybrook did really, really well, better than anybody else for me, he stepped out and that hard, flat first pass that hit the tape, either side of the ice, he could do that. And he's going to set us going. Every time we win it back, Bollybrook sends us back on our way. Jonathan, when I was putting my team together, I rang a few players about different guys. And Seth makes a point about Bollerbrook being that first pass, getting the puck to the forwards quickly. If there's a criticism of Matheson, it's that he holds onto the puck too long and he catches up with the forwards and he ends up leading the charge and the forwards weren't comfortable perhaps playing with him as much as. Um, is that a valid point? It is a valid point. I think a lot of it is also what team has he got around him. If you don't have the all-star talent, you know, up top uh, on the line that you're uh, you're out with, then maybe Matheson has to do a little bit more himself. Um, are we saying that Matheson doesn't have the game to be adaptable to the players around him? I think he probably does. We've seen um, a slightly different Matheson this season in Nottingham to the one we saw in Sheffield. He isn't leading the rush so much. It is a bit more, let's get the puck to Sam Hur. Um, but he's still contributing all the goals, still being a huge power play threat. Matheson's a top defenceman, but I'm more than happy to go with uh, with Bollybrook on this one. Well, I think we've concluded the first part, haven't we, of this Elite League All-Star Sheffield Steelers team. We've got our goaltending sorted out. We've got our defence sorted out. Let's just recap. Um, we're going with Jody Lehman as our starting goalie and Jeff Woolhouse as our backup. And then on the blue line, Steve Munn, what a certainty he was for pretty much everybody. Rod Sarich he's paired with. Dion Darling and Kevin Bollerbrook, our second unit. And then Ben O'Connor and Davey Phillips. That's our defence. We move on to the forwards. So, uh, first of all, let me bring the... Uh, the two brains of the outfit in, Seth and Jonathan. Jonathan, we'll start with you. The, the goalies and the defence went fairly easy, but but the forwards, I've got a feeling we could we, we could end up having a little bit of a row over some of these. It's going to be difficult because not only have we got to put the right 12 players in, we've also got to try and, where best as possible, put them in units that'll work and go for combinations that are actually going to be successful in, our, in the game for our lives that we're organising this for. We've got a lot of the same players, but some people have them as a line one, line two, or a line three player. We're going to have to come to a consensus, and uh, that won't be as easy this time. Seth, what's, what, what's, what's the main priority for you that you get into these, uh, these 12 forwards, these four lines? What are you looking to achieve uh, in the next hour? Well, you see this back here. This is a red face. 
And this is when bad behavior in our household gets beyond the pale. There's the green face, there's the orange face, and then right here is the red face. I don't want to put either you or Jonathan on the red face for making bonehead decisions. That's what I've got to guard against. Key thing for me, it's got to have heart, it's got to have soul, and it cannot have uh, people who are going to bring this team down. It's got to make the team as a whole better, allied with their individual skills. And, and one other thing I think it's important to say, this is a little bit like arbitration in North American sports. What we're talking about is some great players. We're now going to spend the next however long pulling them apart and pulling them to bits. It doesn't mean we don't like them. It doesn't mean we don't think they're good players. We've just got other players we think are a little bit better. Exactly, because over all of our three teams, there's not a bad player that we've chosen. You know, they're all players that we think are, are, are going to make this squad. Um, so no bad players. Don't take it personally if you're listening at home in wherever Canada. Um, we, we love you. We love you all. But we just love a few players. That, yeah, we like you. We like you all. But we just love some others. <laughs> that means Dowdy, you're definitely in, kid. Um, can I can I just look? I, I looked at all of our three teams, Jonathan, and, and there's a few names, as Seth just said there, that, that spring up on all the teams. Um, our first debate here, I got a feeling we're going to go with Le Guin Talbot. I, I didn't have Joey Talbot in. I don't know how I didn't have him in, but he just never fitted into my, my lineup. But I think it was a battle I would lose with you and Seth. So Le Guin and Talbot are definitely going to be in. I think the other two players that are definitely going to be in is Warren Fretter. But here's our one dilemma. You and I have got Warren Fretter together. Seth here has got Fretter with Le Guin and Talbot. And I think our first decision is, are these going to be two different blocks or are we actually going to take Freder off Waz's line? And um, before Seth comes in on that, Jonathan, what are your thoughts? Do you think we should keep them apart or put them together? We're imagining that we're taking these players at their absolute Steelers peak. And at their absolute Steelers peak, there's no way that Wah and Freta are going to be separated. There's no way that Legui and Talbot are going to be separated. When you're talking about great elite league pairings, those are the players that are getting mentioned. You'll then get Carlson and Calder from Coventry and a few others, but those Steelers will be mentioned together. So for me, they've got to play together. The interesting thing there is you've mentioned relationships that are centre winger, always. Not two wingers. And my assumption is you want to play Fretter on the right side, Wah on the left-hand side. For me, what about the guy that plays in the middle then? Are they just a complete irrelevant? Is this a donut line? You know, nothing in the centre. You, you just have to look at it. And for me, this is all about building a Steelers team where you could play fantasy hockey. A little bit here why not take Freta and with all of his brilliance and his stick handling and his skills not to mention that major league shot that he had but you got Joey Talbot the master of the deflection and causing trouble around the net you got him playing that role you got Freta with his craft and his skill and his play and then you've got that booming one-timer of Jeff Legui are you telling me that that doesn't work so you're playing Legui at center come what may I'm playing Legui is my line one center in this lineup Okay, you see, now in my lineup, I went with Ben Simon in between Wire and Fretter. And I, I like that. And the more I keep looking at it on a piece of paper, the more I like that big, solid sentiment 
using the craft of fretter, using the net presence of wire. I, I, I have to say, I think that's a terrific line. Ben Simon in your top then... six? Didn't score after Christmas? I... No, I liked him as a first-line centre. I thought so. Yeah, but, no, but, I would have stuck with tr that. Truth being told, you look at his stats. Yeah. From memory, he was goal-heavy pre-Christmas. Second half of the yeah. year, he took a battering to the brain, the body, uh, and probably everything else, dealing with what he had to deal with in Sheffield. Um, but to me, he's a great line three centre. He, he is your... Absolute shut down energy line three penalty kill big body that you can go and throw out there. Well, actually, I had Laguerre as my third line centre, so I don't mind swapping. Me, ben... I don't mind swapping those two around and throwing Simon down onto the third unit and throwing Leggy up on the first unit. I'm not happy about splitting Wire and Fretter up. I gotta be honest; it, it, it's not something I would naturally uh, naturally do. Can I make the argument then for the player I've chosen to centre Warren Fretter, which is Tyler Mosienko, who in two full seasons won two championships. In the second of those, he was the team's top scorer. So he's outperforming Warren Fretter. Put him with the best and you'll get the best from him. I know you're going to come back with all the reasons why he shouldn't be in the team, but when you look at the output of Steelers forwards and did they get results, did they win stuff... Yeah, Tyler Mosienko played Twice in the middle of Warren Fretter, I recall, for a part of that season. Warren Fred, Warren yeah, Fretter weren't That's happy That's why I've kept it. it together. Secondly, when Mosienko went, there was a queue of people looking to take him to the airport. Seth said at the beginning of this uh, little broadcast that he didn't want anybody pulling his team down. Now, personally, no, no, no gripes with, with Tyler. Decent old fellow, no problems. But I don't think he's in that greatest ever Steelers team. I just don't see with all the players that we've got to choose from that 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 Mosey is the is the guy that we 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 kind of we kind of run with. I'm not over happy about having Masienko in my greatest team. Seth, what about you? No, it's not happening because there are better sentiment than him. <laughs> and whilst I accept that he scored those goals, he scored some of those goals, quite a lot of those goals against very, very poor teams. None of us are sitting here with our hand in the air saying Neil Clark should be our starting left winger. Look at the goals he scored in the seasons he played with the Sheffield Steelers. You look at the breakdown of where those goals came from, it doesn't get you into the greatest Steelers team you know, in the Elite League era. So for me, it, it doesn't work there. Um, I don't mind seeing Fretter and Wire play together. My question mark is, who do you put to centre them? What, what about the magical one? No, the magical one and Fretter up. have got a, a, a few bits in common, if you like. They've got those great hands, but he, he can be that big, strong, shutdown centre. He's got that wicked one-timer. Um, and, you know, Mark Dusian was a... He, he would add a little bit of edge and grit to that line, if you like. Did Dutium get rid of the puck quick enough for the likes of having the quality of Warren Fretter around him? Fretter would have wanted the puck earlier, wouldn't he? Would Dutium, or would Dutium have, in a, in a Mark Matheson type of way, obviously forward defenseman, the criticism on Matheson was that he held on to it too long. Did Dutium hold on to it too long, playing in an era where you could do that? Where Wazi and Fretter, well, Wazi just want to get to the net, but Fretter would want the puck a little bit earlier. That was my only concern of putting duty in with, with Warren Fretter. And that's why I thought Simon was a good choice because I think Simon would have made those simple plays and would have got the puck to Fretter. And surely you want Fretter on the puck. 
What did Mark Dutium come to the UK as, if you remember? His first club was the London Knights. What was he? A shut-down third-line defensive centre who went up against other teams' top lines night in, night out. Second year when he came with the Steelers, he played down the lineup in that role where he had to move the puck quickly. It was only when the standard of the league went down a little bit and where he had to play in that bigger role and he didn't have the opportunity to maybe play with players as gifted as a fretter or some of the boys that he played with down in London. Um, then all of a sudden, he had to take that number one mantle. And from the moment he took that number one mantle, he became the kind of player that you wish to have. Over six foot, over 200 pounds, skated like the wind, defensively excellent, but so, so creative. He could kill you many different ways. Yeah, Mark Dutiem in the title-winning season of 03-04, 62 games played, 55 assists. I'm not worried about how he's going to get the puck to our goal scorers. His numbers did drop off, but as you mentioned, Seth, it's through playing a slightly different role. He was the go-to creative option in that first Elite League season. Things changed um, you know, before and after that. But I've no doubt at all that if he's on a line with Warren Fretter, he's not going to be a puck hog. He is going to be the supplier that they're going to need. Um, I think it's it's a pretty good balance. I'm prepared to accept the Mosienko argument. I'm happier with the Dutiem than a Simon on that top unit. Okay, well, if we do go with Y Dutiem and Fretter, it gives us then the Dave Matsos problem. And the Dave Matsos problem always was, who the hell do we put with Le Guin Talbot? So who are we going to put up before we decide it's not going to be Colton Fretter? And I agree with you, Seth. Fretter would be a fantastic option, but I, I do like the more balanced top six of having Wire and Fretter together. But before we actually confirm and write in ink Wire, Dutium and Fretter, who do we put with Talbot and Le Guy? Who goes on that other side? Well, I think you've got a couple of choices here. Okay. One of them would be to play Robert Dowd. A guy that works really exceptionally hard. He's got that wonderful shot. He's somebody that, that could complement those two, I think, in what he brings to the table. Um, and then I think if you look a little bit deeper down the, the lineup, you know, could you maybe play Guillaume Debien on that line? Would he offer you that? Could you potentially go the other way and go with a load of speed? And you're going to laugh when I say this, but with Kent Simpson on that line. Options for you. I'm never going to laugh. 13 minutes in, um, Jonathan, and we've just had the Ken Simpson uh, I'm not going to laugh at any Simpson. Ken Simpson um, selections, but Robert <laughs> Dowd was, was on my line, and I still think he belongs there. If you're saying where does Robert Dowd belong in a great greatest Steelers team, he belongs in the top six. We don't. I don't want to put him on a third or fourth line where it's, it's a bit more of a check line, a bit more grindy. No, I want him with our goal scorers because Robert Dowd can score and supply at an elite level. And he's done that for years and years for the Steelers, did it for the Giants. Robert Dowd's a top six forward and he needs to play in the top six. I tend to agree that Dowdy is a top six forward. My only concern of putting him with Le Guin Talbot was Dave Matsos put him with Le Guin Talbot. And when Talbot went, Le Guin and Dowd did play together and they were never... Brilliant. They were never wow together. You, I didn't think Legui got the best out of Dowd. I don't think Dowd had his best days with Legui, though I do think that Dowd is a should be a nailed on top six. Seth, you have your hand in the air like a oh, like a school child waiting to say something. Say something, Seth. What about Colton Fretter? 
I mean, wonderful player would fit in on that right-hand side of that top line. He would give speed, great hands, goal-scoring, creative play, a bit of edge. You know, wouldn't he fit? But then would, but then <laughs> would um, Dowdy play with Wardutium? So would Wardutium Dowd be a good second unit? That's it. I think it would be a good second unit. Though I, I, you did talk me into Dutium Fretter. And why? I'd, I'd, I'd like that line. I think it's got a lot of personality. And I think if we do go with Wide Duty, yeah, Fretter, Colton that's Fretter's going to be a good line. player wherever he is. Yeah. Yeah, Fretter's going to be a good player wherever he goes. Robert Dowd's going to be a good player wherever he goes. But we got our best out of War and Fretter when they were together. We got our best out of Talbot and Laguerre when they were together. And I don't think Robert Dowd was Robert Dowd back when Joey Talbot was still in the team. He was still a younger player finding his way. Yeah, there was still production there, but the Robert Dowd of the last three or four years is a different Robert Dowd and a better Robert Dowd to the one that played under Dave Matsos. We're not taking Dave Matsos Robert Dowd. We're taking peak Robert Dowd, and that'll fit in perfectly on that second line. Okay, then. So we are we agreeing on our number one unit Starting this game for our lives, Matthew Wah, the magical one, Mark Dudium, and the great Colton Fretter. And we're coming back with Talbot Leguay and Dowd. Do we like that? No, David, we love that. It's brilliant. We love that. Okay, we love that. Okay. I'm still not overly sure on Dowd and Leguay. It's just a Dowd and Leguay thing. Um, you mentioned Debian. Um, Pretty much we all had Debian on the fourth unit. Um, so I, I, that's why I kind of didn't want Debian to play on that top six. Um, the third unit, uh, just to remind you, Jonathan, you went with John Armstrong, Ryan Finnerty and Ashley Tate. And bear in mind, we have got to get a couple of Brits into this lineup. Um, we're only allowed 14 imports. Um, Seth, you went with Kent Simpson, uh, Ben Simon. And uh, Ashley Tate. So there's two similarities there, Tate on on both of those units. Um, our third line centre is it going to be Ben Simon? I like him, third line centre. I think he's big, strong, experienced. You know, he's going to use the body. He's going to lead from the front. You've got speed. For me, with Simpson on that line, and you've got all of the know-how of Ashley Tate. That is a shutdown line every day of the week for me. Yeah. Talking of Ashley Tate, Jonathan, we do have to get three British players. We've, we have to get six into this team. We've got Walhouse, um, we've got Ben O'Connor, we've got Davy Phillips, we've got Dowd. We've got to get two more in. I'm, I'm guessing Jonathan Phillips is going to find his way onto that fourth unit. So Ashley Tate pretty much has to go onto this third unit, doesn't he? Ashley Tate could arguably make one of the top two units given his, his points production, more than a, a point a game over several seasons with the Steelers, but it feels like the third line is the place that he's going to fit in best on this team. We all originally put him on our third line, so that's where he should stay. Okay, then, just looking at this third unit, we've got Ben Simon in the middle and we've got Ashley Tate, and, and that looks pretty much nailed on. Um, one point I'd put to you both, uh, Jonathan, Seth, all three of us, for this one final slot on the third line, had different players. Jonathan, just off memory, uh, you went with big John Armstrong. Um, Seth, Kent Simpson, 
and I went with Levi Nelson. And from my own point of view, I can't imagine an all-star Steelers team without Levi in it. Also, if he doesn't go here, then he doesn't go on the fourth unit. He's not a fourth-line player. And he did it. He was all things for all seasons. Big goals, big hits, big plays, last-second goals, championship-winning goals, game-winning goals. Nelson did everything. And I think he was a better player than a lot of people gave him credit for. That line of Valdix, Dowd and, and, and Levi was an astonishing uh, line. In fact, a lot of people will be watching this wondering why Valdix isn't in the middle of, of everything we've been talking about. And I just, I, I would certainly go for Levi over both Simmer, who I love, and sorry, Kent, and, and Big John, who, who again, who I, who I love, but Levi, surely. Seth? Levi Nelson was a player who was worth the admission money. Defensively, an absolute liability to the team. Yeah. Okay. He was yep. the master of chaos. He had the ability to create all kinds of problems on the ice for all kinds of different people, uh, like the Tasmanian Devil as he came spinning into whatever was going on. And he made great, great things happen. And I absolutely adored watching him play. However, he has no business in my bottom six. No business. If he's going to be in the team, he needs to go up with the pecking order. I think maybe, maybe he's the guy that plays with Jeff Legui and Joey Talbot. If he's going to be in the team, and I, I think you make a wonderful argument, David. You make a wonderful argument for him. But he, but he's he's not there on, at number nine or number seven. He's up there at, you know, number three or, or number six. Jonathan, if I may just come in, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't actually I have him in my top six, which I did. I had him with Connolly, and we haven't even spoke about Connolly yet, Connolly and Nelson in my top six because I didn't have Joey Talbot in my top six. Now, you can't throw Dowd onto a third line with Tate, Simon, Dowd. I don't think that works. So are we, again, re-examining one of the top six? Why, Doody and Fretter, Talbot? Look, is there a question that, heaven forbid, boys, I know I haven't been wrong many times in my life, but I don't think I was wrong again. I actually think Levi goes in, in my opinion, ahead of Talbot. No, John? Uh, he doesn't. No? Simply um, because Joey Talbot was a better player than Levi Nelson, if you're judging it on an overall. What number would you give this player as an overall rating on a computer game? Fretta gets a higher number than Nelson. Fretta's the better player. I love Levi Nelson. What, what about everything... Talbot, though? What about Talbot? What about is Talbot a better player? Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, Talbot, yeah. Talbot's better than uh, than Nelson, yeah, for sure. That okay. that would be my view anyway. But well, if we don't put Levi Nelson into this, if you like, ninth slot, Levi Nelson isn't going to make the greatest ever Steelers team. And I've got to... F and, and I just wonder who else we put in. So the choices are Nelson, Armstrong, Connolly, or Kent Simpson. Because I think our, our fourth line is going to take care of itself, and I think we're going to rip through that. So one of those players, and, and Jonathan, come in here with uh, John Armstrong because John Armstrong was uh, the player that, that, that you promoted for that, that slot. Why should we put John in there? We all know how good Colton Fretter was. John Armstrong is on a better points per game rate than Colton Fretter was. He already has the same number of assists in fewer games. John Armstrong's 
points output is better than you think it is. He's um, 11th in Steelers Elite League scoring. Most of the players above him in the list are there because they've played more games. John Armstrong, if he's still with the Steelers for another couple of years, he's going to end up as one of the Steelers' all-time top Elite League point scorers. And when it comes to the big moments, you mentioned Levi Nelson for last-minute goals. John Armstrong has done that as well. You talk about overtime winners. You talk about playoff performances. John Armstrong comes up big in the playoffs. John Armstrong is over a point a game in the playoffs for the Sheffield Steelers. You want a player for the big occasion? I want John Armstrong. We look at him this season and how he was the Steelers pretty much all year, the only reliable face-off winner. I want him centering a unit. I got him as my third-line centre. He's not a better player okay. than Ben Simon. But he's, no, no, Simon's our third line. If, if, if Armstrong's in this team, Armstrong's on the wing. And you actually had him on the wing in your original 12 because you had Finity as a third-line centre. Seth and I are going to go to blows in a minute for our fourth-line centre between Perron and Finity. But if Armstrong does Armstrong play as a third-line winger with Simon and Tate? And I love Big John. But honestly, Jonathan, you're speaking like a maths teacher here. Oh, it's points per game. It's points per game. I, 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 just, I, I, I just think Nelson gives you more. I actually think, no, I think Nelson or Connolly give you more in that third-line winger's position. And I love Big John, and he'll be watching this, and he'll be going, yeah, I know you love me, Simpson. And I do love you, John, but I don't see him in that third-line winger's position. I just don't see it. If you put Armstrong as a winger, then he gains. Um, oh, sorry, he loses the the faceoff. Is one of the reasons that I've that I've got him in is just how reliable he's been. But if we're going for Simon as a centre, which I have no problem with, Simon very nearly made the cut in my in my team anyway. So I have no issues with with Simon getting in. I just desperately need Ryan Finity to be in this team somewhere. I don't want him to be forced out. So if I can't win the Armstrong argument, I've got to make sure I win the Finity one. That's good, because we'll gang up on Seth in a minute on that. I just don't see Armstrong going in that, that third-line job. So now we're down to Kent Simpson or Brendan Connolly. On Kent, a third-line... David, David, this isn't even a conversation piece, okay? Kent Simpson, three seasons, six trophies with the Sheffield Steelers. Three seasons, six trophies. It's not even a discussion point. He can do everything that Connolly can do as well, but better. He's faster. He, he's somebody that played at a higher level than Connolly all the way through his career. He's somebody that's won in multiple leagues. Kent Simpson is a winner and he is on our team. He plays every situation for you. Is he another guy that perhaps should, you know, if he was in a top six, are you happy with him in that third line role, Seth? Yeah, because I know he can, he can play that role. Because he came into that country in that role and outperformed what everybody expected and actually became one of the stars on the greatest ever Sheffield Steelers team back in 2000-2001. You know what he signed for, David, at that time. And it wasn't too much more than a bag of chips and some mushy bees, really, in the context of that team. 425, Yeah, but, you know, in the context of that team and at that time... He was somebody who came in cheapest chips and he absolutely delivered. He then delivered again with a title the following year where he led the team in scoring. Uh, and then he came back again in a, a third and final spell when the team was absolutely falling apart at the seams. Uh, and he did another terrific job. So And won a trophy that year as well. So you, you look at what his body of work is. 
fast skating, defensively brilliant. He can play left or right-hand side for you. He, he's somebody that just gives you so much within that lineup. Jonathan, so Seth makes a good point. He scored. He was great at the assists. He was a great penalty killer. He uh, was a great usher at Seth's wedding. He was... Uh, best man. We, was he oh, best man? No, actually, Pernsey was the best man. Pernsey was the best man, yeah. He was the usher, yeah. Jeez, I think there's a bit of anger. You had a good wedding turnout. You had a good wedding turnout. Um, Half the steam was at the okay. wedding, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, your, your, your thoughts quickly on Connolly versus Simpson for that final slot on the third line Connolly is not a third liner he doesn't play on the third line now he's not ever going to play on a Sheffield Steelers third line he is a top six forward that's where he belongs the things that Connolly can potentially take away from the team discipline wise I think also apply a little bit to Levi Nelson there's only so many hooking and retaliation penalties I want this team to take they're both negative marks in their columns but for me, Kent Simpson, the argument is strong, but we can't make it based on what he did before the Elite League. Otherwise, Ron Shudra's in this team. Ron Shudra played some Elite League, but Ron Shudra in the Elite League for the Steelers was not Ron Shudra from the Super League days or from the Premier League days. So we've not given Shudra any consideration. So, Seth, the argument about Kent Simpson has to solely be on that season that he came back. And was that one season that he came back really better than the other players that we've mentioned? I'm not sure they were. 100%. He's a serial winner. What do I want in my team? I want guys that know how to win. And he's won at every single stage of his career. And that's why I want him there. And you know what? Was he the toughest player to ever walk the face of the planet? No. Would he drop the gloves and fight if he had to? Yeah, absolutely. He was a guy you wanted in the trenches alongside you not against you every single night. And you know what? When the rest of the guys were down, he's the guy that picks them up and gets them back going again. He wasn't a Dion Darling where he screamed and shouted at you, but he was a guy that would hold people to account by his work rate, and he would say stuff in the locker room as well. You know what, Jonathan? He was an absolute top, top bloke. He was team first. Um, he doesn't make my all-star team. He doesn't. Um, I knew he would make Seth's, um, and he makes it with good. He makes it with good reason. I, we we laugh, we joke about about, about the winning, um, but uh, I I got to be honest. I still I still go back and and I take Connolly or Nelson over Simpson. I I I do do that. So this is this is a tough one. Let's just leave that space for a second then, and see if there's any room that develops on our fourth line. We all went for Jonathan Phillips, and we all went for Debian um, in, our, uh, in our lineup. We had three different centres. Um, Jonathan, you went for Jason Hewitt. God bless him. We love him, but there's not a chance he's making the all-star team. Um, Seth, you went for Pernsey, mm -hmm. who I thought was a great, great shave. I mean, top bloke. Played hurt, played injured, played gritty, led the team. Almost as grumpy as, as Dion Darling. Um, and I went with Ryan Finnerty. So, and I do think it's a, it's a two-way hit between Perron and Finnerty. And I just give it to Finnerty because I just thought Finnerty was a little bit better player. You I see, that's where I would disagree with you. I think I Perron think was, was a better player than Finnerty. 
he was tougher, he was meaner, and he had, where Finity had everything to say in the world, Perron said it when it counted. And he was somebody that, you remember when he beat up that big fella from Basingstoke? Do you remember that? The only time oh, I've yeah. ever seen in my life, mid-fight, the referee skate across to the penalty box, collect a towel, and come back for the end of the fight where he put it <laughs> immediately on the player's face. Do you remember that? The guy squared off. He didn't realise Perron was a lefty and left. He just filled him full of left hands. And that. Do you remember how he was against, against London when that guy was giving the team all kinds of grief and all of a sudden Perron absolutely lost his mind? I mean, he, he is the captain. And even with Dion Darling, he's the captain of the Screw You team. He had more get-stuffed than almost any player that's played for the Sheffield Steelers that I can think of. Him and Darling are like this. They're, they're, they're so very, very close. He's a right-handed shot in the same way that Finity's a right-handed shot. Um, and he, he just has, to me, I think he just fulfills so much for you. He's a bit bigger, a bit stronger than, than, than Finity. Gives you probably a bit more body contact on that, third, on that fourth unit as well. Jonathan, what are your thoughts on this? And and make your case for Jason Hewitt, who, who is your who is your man. Well, even though he would give us one, he would give us one too many Brits, if you like. Well, and if we went with him, do we then move Ashley Tate out? No, we We're don't move Ashley Tate out. out. Tate makes it. Um, the reason that I had Hewitt in was because I wanted the extra import defenseman. Since I've not won that argument, then I'm all for well. It needs to be the uh, it needs to be the import forward. And it, for me, it has to be Finity. And this is where the maths teacher side of me and the numbers just disappear out of the window because I can't make a numbers-based case for Ryan Finity. We can talk about you know the, some of the trophies that he won while he was a player, but this is a heart pick. This is what I felt like watching Ryan Finity. I hated it when he came back to play against the Steelers with Cardiff. That was well, awful. Right. I absolutely hated it. I want him on my team. And I hate the fact that he might not make this. So I can't give you the usual number spiel. I've got all the stats for all the players. And for Ryan Finity, there's just not much there because the numbers don't tell the Ryan Finity story. But I know how it felt to watch him. And I want to feel that mm. again. I can't, Seth, if I, if I look at your suggestions here... I just can't see an all-time Sheffield Steelers team without Levi Nelson and Ryan Finity. And, and, and I'm a massive Perron fan. Perron was almost made my final cut. Love Pernsey to death. Love what he bore. Hear everything you're saying. But I just felt the league had moved on a little bit when Finity came in. It was a slightly better league. And I, I, I just can't... I wouldn't be heartbroken to see Mike Perron. Mike Perron, I'm sensing me fourth line, but I would be if Levi Nelson wasn't in the team either. I, I just can't see a team without both of those. So are you asking me right now, David? Uh, have I got to choose between my best man and my usher? I think you might have to, Seth. Have, have I got to choose between my mate Mike in Newmarket or my, my pal Kent, who's been alongside me since 2000 who sat next to me during the last Olympic Games who I've watched win all of those six trophies over his three different spells with the Sheffield Steelers the thing is with, with, with all the players that we're talking about and one thing that I absolutely love 
about both of the players, well, all three of those players, actually, is all of them have got a loyalty and an affinity to Sheffield, where Mike never wanted to leave. He also didn't want to play anywhere else. Soon as that time was over with Sheffield, and I know he'd had his injuries, he had offers to go and play for other clubs. And he just said, nope, if I'm not playing in Sheffield, I'm not playing at all. Simpson came back or came to Sheffield three times because he loved it. And if you ask him now about the one club in his career that he would go back to, it would always be Sheffield. I wonder what Finner would say. I think Finner loved his time in Sheffield. He coached in Sheffield. He was, uh, I think if he wasn't so involved in Manchester, he might even have been in Sheffield today. So I, I think Finnerty's... I, I hear what you're saying, but... Well, if you threw... I'm going, I'm going Nelson then. If I'm going, if I'm going Perron, I'm going Nelson on that third unit. And if I'm going Simpson, you're going Infinity. I'll get, I'll give you, I'll give you Perron on the fourth line for Nel, for Nelson on the third line. Oh, this is horse trading, isn't it? I and won't I, accept I that because Finity's not on either line. Then he's not. For, for me, we, we've we've agreed on Ashley Tate and Ben Simon. We've agreed on Jonathan Phillips and Guillaume Debien. There are two spots to be filled. And the arguments that have convinced me most have been, well, Finity makes one of the spots. I don't mind which. Of the arguments that have been made for Simpson and Nelson and Perron, Nelson wins that argument for me. Did, did you not well, watch was... the Sheffield Steelers when Mike Perron played or when Kent Simpson played? I didn't see as much as the 05-06 season. Um, oh. I saw more. Well, this of, is a uh, waste of time, then, isn't it? Crap! No, I, I didn't see. This is this is I like didn't trying see much to tell kids now a Nintendo 64. They just don't believe in it. They don't understand how good it was at the time. <laughs> I mean, crikey! You, you know, the Nokia 6010, plain snake, was the thing to do. But now, now with all the touchscreen phones, you can play whatever you like. <sighs> yeah, that Sheffield Steelers David, team like in 0506. You've brought me into this so. conversation, and now all of a sudden, I feel like I'm teaching A level maths to a blooming reception class. That Steelers <sighs> team, 0506, finished on 38 points, less than a point a game, sixth in an eight team league. Why and didn't I travel two hours back from Middlesbrough? They weren't very good. They won the knockout cup. That wasn't a good Steelers team, 05-06. Kent Simpson might have been the best player on it, but they weren't a good team. Jonathan, do you know how many coaches they had that year? Four. They had four. So, but they weren't a good team. Why did I not travel back for them as much as I did for other teams and other seasons? They were were a rebellious little group. One of the poorest teams. But he was the best player at that time. He He makes our team better. And you can take your Levi Nelson. By the way, Kent Simpson, playoff semi-final goal scorer, playoff final goal scorer. Okay? Big goals, big games. Knockout yeah. Cup final. Kent Simpson scores a goal. Mike Perron scores a goal in the Knockout Cup final. Even with the worst of Sheffield Steelers teams, potentially, in quite some time, they still want to try. Finity scored. Ryan Finity scored playoff championship goal. Munn got one. Finity got one. Bennett got one as well. Against Nottingham. Yeah, against Nottingham. 2-0 victory. Thanks for coming. 
Perennial losers, Nottingham. Um, okay. Okay. If, you, if you're leaving it down to me, Simpson gets the third line nod, and I'll give you Finnessy on the fourth line. And it's only because I like Ryan. Jonathan, you get you get you get Finnessy, but you lose Nelson. Yeah, yeah, I mean Nelson I'm, didn't didn't Nelson didn't make the cut into my twenty anyway. So if he doesn't make the cut into the overall twenty, I'm I'll I'll, I'll settle for that as long as Finity makes it. So if we're going for a Simpson third, Finity fourth on the fourth line, yeah, that'll do me. Okay, well then, this is what we come out with: War, Dutium, and Freta, Talbot, Lagui, and Dowd, Simon in between Simpson and Tate. And Finity in between Jonathan Phillips and Guillaume Debian. And I feel we've kind of just just slotted Jono and uh, and Desi in there. A, a, a quick word on, on, on both of them. I'll start with you, uh, Seth, on, on Jono, and then I'll come to you, uh, Jonathan, on, on Desi and, and, and why they make it. Seth? I started commentating on the Steelers in 1998. I don't believe I've seen a player during the last 20 odd years who has given as much to the Sheffield Steelers as Jonathan Phillips has given as much to Great Britain as Jonathan Phillips he plays hurt he plays with energy effort and passion every single night I've seen a lot of very professional athletes across the rest of my working career he is right up amongst the very best the best Olympians the best Premier League footballers he has about one week off a year and then he's back at it, working hard. He's a guy that, like a Chris Chelios, for example, in the NHL, could go on to play into his 40s. And he plays a high-energy game. He's not a defenseman that can just sit back and absorb the minutes. He can do so much. And with you know, relatively limited ability, he's playing better hockey now than he did at any point before in his career. He, he is phenomenal. A great penalty killer. A great team guy. He's been a really good captain. Um, and somebody who, you know, you talk about the best ever signings for the Sheffield Steelers, David. He has to be up there. He has to be right up there. 100%. Couldn't agree more. Um, Jonathan, a few words on uh, the man whose name hangs in your kitchen. Dear BN. What a great comment. Yeah, line pride of place saying. alongside uh, Carl Lozon. Um, I thought long and hard about whether Debian should be in my team because I worried that that moment, that goal, and what it ultimately led to was clouding my judgment in terms of how good a player he actually was. Um, and then I took the moments to think a little deeper and realised we need that character. We need that person. We need that leadership. Guillaume Debian was... He meant so much to that team, and the team wasn't the same when he left. Um, the Steelers struggled to replace him. There are some players who, over their time, become irreplaceable, and in a short space of time, what, just over 100 games, Debian became that. Yes, he produced in the big moments. Well, so did Nelson, so have plenty of others. But I don't think we'll find another Debian for a while. I think we might find another Nelson. Maybe we've already got another Nelson. But... Another day BN, well, they don't come around very often. And, yeah, that moment was, was a great one, but there's so many other things that he brings to the team. We don't need any more goals. We don't need any more assists. But we need a day BN. 
Seth, I can see you with your hand in the air. David, you and I have had this conversation a million times. Since Scott Allison, how many great power forwards have the Sheffield Steelers had? Genuine power forwards. Very few. Guillaume Debien. 100% has to make your team. Absolutely. He is one of the greatest Sheffield Steelers players of all time. He would fit on any, any version. You want to stick him on that 95 team, he would have been one of the better players. You want to put him on the 2000-2001 team, he would have made that a better team. You know, if you well, want I'll to throw stick... one at you, Seth. I'll throw one at you. Uh, Debian or AD? Debian or Metcalf? Debian. Debian, Debian, Debian. And uh, I do that. And actually, if you call Paul Thompson and say, where did it start to go wrong, Paul? He'll say to you, when he looked at his phone and he saw Guillaume Debian's name flash up in the summer. And when Debian left, we never replaced Debian. And he, he said that was the first brick that, you know, it was a, you know, the Maqua thing didn't work out. Maqua was a, you know, we all love Mags, nice bloke, all of that. But Maqua was a poor man, a poor man's Debian. And uh, it, did, it didn't, didn't work for him. So, no, Des, Desi has to make it. And you've got to be honest, you know, we've got a team full of captains. If Jonathan Phillips wasn't in that lineup, Desi would be my captain. Um, he'd, he'd be somebody who could actually, you know, keep a little grips on your darlings of this world as well. Um, but I'm, I'm, no, no, Debian, he's, he's a surefire shoo-in as, as, uh, as you can get. So as we as we finish then, boys, uh, with Wah, Dutium and Fretta, Talbot Leguay and Dowd, Simpson, Simon and Tate, Phillips, Finity and Debian, we add them to Lehman and Wallace in goal, and we add them to Wah, sorry, we add them to uh, Munn and Sarich, Darling and Bollerbrook and O'Connor and Phillips, and we, we've we've come up there with a, a great uh, Steelers team. Is Jonathan Phillips the captain of that team, Seth? No. Who is? Jonathan, your thoughts on captain? What bet while Seth uh, has the brain cells run through him? What what what's your thoughts on captaincy? Um, it's Jonathan Phillips. It it just has to be. There's been no more successful Steelers captain. And okay, Gertson was the captain in the thirteen fourteen season, so yeah. but it should have still been Jonathan Phillips. I don't think you know, Gertson Great player, top bloke, but I'm not taking the captaincy off Jonathan Phillips if I'm coaching that team. So there should be another trophy that he has lifted as captain. And he's done it for so long, it feels strange to think that one day somebody else will have to captain the Steelers because number 20 is the Steelers' captain. Yes, there are so many leaders. You probably couldn't pick a bad captain out of the players we've chosen. But Jonathan Phillips has the captaincy at the moment and he keeps it for me. Shame on Doug Christensen for taking the captaincy off um, Jonathan Phillips. He was trying to reinvent the wheel, and that's no disrespect to Stephen Gertzen, who was one of life's top people, good bloke, but but it was a, it was it was criminal. Two two biggest mistakes he made, David. One was not even entertaining the prospect of Rod Sarich coming back to play for him on the strength of how he played for Great Britain in an Olympic qualifier in uh, in Riga. And the second one, which, you know, to me, they're equally as preposterous when you, you think about what happened after that, was taking the captaincy from Jonathan Phillips. Just not too what ridiculous. About not even making, what about not even making Tyler Michelle an offer? Oh. 
Anyway, um, it was baffling. It was baffling. Baffling. Um, um, okay then. I, um, um, you know what, Seth? Uh, go on. Tell me who you, your captain would be. I, I, I've been very swayed by that argument from Jonathan. He is absolutely right for all of those reasons. He's a hundred percent right. Yeah. Um, he's a hundred percent right. He, I can't imagine Dion Darling playing for the Sheffield Steelers not as captain. I think he'd kill six or seven players on this team if Dion was captain of this team. And I don't think we can afford that to happen. Um, <laughs> I think Debian, Debian wears an A. Without a shadow of a doubt, Debian wears an A. And I'll give you... Um, and, I, and I... See, how does Steve Munn not wear an A? You see, Steve Munn is a C. Yeah. But, but he's not a C in this team. He's not a C in this team. I'll give you Darling. I'll give you Darling as an A. I'll give you Debian as an A. And the only reason I don't give an A to Steve Munn is Steve Munn is such a class act. Steve Munn doesn't need an A. Steve Munn can be a captain, can be an associate captain without wearing a letter. Yeah. When, when, yeah. when you look through that, you know, you've got Munn, you've got Bollerbrook, um, you got Simpson, you got Finity. All of them have captain teams down the years, haven't they? So yeah, you know, all, all, all the players that are going to bring you to. To be fair, I, it's a little bit like the coach's position. It doesn't really matter because that room is going to be strong enough to uh, to deal with most problems that would come its way. <laughs> the other thing about who gets the C and who gets to wear the A's is that's needed for administrative purposes on the ice and, you know, the kudos that comes with, with wearing a letter on your shirt as well, of course. But leadership comes in many forms. And I want Jonathan Phillips to be the voice. I want him to be the person who sets the standards and holds everybody else to account because he has the highest standards. I don't think Steve Munn, as Dave said, needs to be a captain because when Steve Munn speaks, people will listen. When Dabian speaks people will listen. So the off-ice leadership will come from so many areas. Who gets to where the A's on the ice is largely irrelevant to me. Yeah, the fact that we've spent five minutes discussing the C is is is, is crazy because it's it's Jonathan Phillips every day of the week and, and twice on a Sunday. Seth, you just touched on that uh, final decision we have to make. Who coaches the Sheffield Steelers team? This could be an interesting one. Uh, Jonathan, you went with Ben Simon. Um, I think we can disregard Simon now because I don't think the greatest ever Steelers team has a player coach, and Simon's made it. But I'm sure you'll make your point. Um, Seth, you went for Mike Blaisdell, and I went for Paul Thompson. Uh, Jonathan, your thoughts now, several hours later since we started uh, putting this all together? Simon made my team as the coach because maybe it's a sympathy vote that he didn't quite make it as a, a player into my twenty. But also, that Steelers team of 10-11, it took over from a team that had, yeah, it won the 2020, but it, it wasn't good hockey at the end of the Matsos era. It wasn't particularly exciting stuff. The team sort of limped through the season, really, and, and it was all a bit, a bit of a sad end. And the way he picked the team up, there was no preseason game, straight into it, and first game, first shift, thought, ooh, this is good. The way that team hit and the way that team scored was entertaining throughout the season. And I want entertainment from my hockey. I also want winning. 
and Simon's team provided that winning. They were league champions. When the games mattered down the stretch, they won the ones that mattered. But, yeah, if we can't have a player coach, then then fair enough. Just Except quickly on they the, the numbers. They, because they didn't do the double. They won the league by jumping out to a massive margin and saw it whittle away as the season went on. Actually, second half of the season, they, they got pretty much dragged Seth, back in. Seth, you can't take away. I mean... Forget the points. This is arbitration, David. The, the, the job that Simon did, just, you know, and we all, we all know that time. Myself, Matt Sass, Mike O'Connor, had gone. And in a, in, a, in a way to try and remove, if you like, the Bob Phillips era. And he came in. The political, the toxicity, everything that he had to deal with. You have to say he dealt with it brilliantly well. And I've got to be honest, I don't think any of the other coaches that we've we've got here would have handled it as well as Simon did. Now, Simon was perhaps a bit of a different type of character, but I, I feel that he's, he's not going to coach my team, by the way, uh, here. But you have to tip your hat and say, I don't know of another coach in the Steelers' history that could have handled the situation that Simon was put in. Never knew the players, never knew the league, never knew ownership, never knew anything. He was jettisoned in, basically do it all. And he did it all terrifically well. And how that team actually won a league I, I was baffling. No, but David, I think the, and, 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 the point that I was and, making and was you, different. You can, you, can say, you, can say that, you can say that Simon was a massive, massive plus on, on that. The point I was making was very different, though, and that was essentially that actually a lot of the games down the stretch, they didn't win. Their record in the second half of the season wasn't as near as good as it was in the first half of the season. From a purely coaching perspective, there have been better coaches of the Sheffield Steelers. That doesn't take away from the fact that he's done, he did a best, you know, he did a very, very good job in a very, very difficult situation. Systems wise, tactics wise, you know, there was an awful lot that carried over from from the previous incumbent in that job, particularly in the front half of the season when they won an awful lot of games. He also had an incredibly experienced um, top end of his team who helped him out an awful lot in, in that season in lots of different ways. As I say, this is not to take away from Ben Simon because, you know, he's going to go on to be a very, very good coach in his own right. And he he's already started to do that within his career, and he did a great job at the time. But he ain't my coach, and he ain't going to be the coach of this team. Because the other side of that, David, is, look, this isn't the time where you have to construct the Berlin Wall between uh, one side and the other side of the city. This is a time where we've got the greatest Sheffield Steelers side out there. You've got to kick the gate open, and you've got to enjoy watching this team, and this team have got to want to play for you. And there is no coach who've had players that have wanted to play for him, I don't think, more than Mike Blaisdell during his time with the Sheffield Steelers. You know, he was a guy who basically did his big work through the months of April, May, June, July, and August. And after that, he turned up to training and he turned up to games. And, you know, during the games, he was an excellent coach, but he didn't worry too much about anything else. He managed his players on that bench better than probably any other Sheffield Steelers coach I can remember. What year is this team playing in? Because if it's playing in the uh, 2018, 2019, 2020 era, and I love Blazer, you know, I walk over Grand Glass for Mike. Um, 
was he technically good enough? Do you oh, have to be technically good enough with this team? Yes, you have to be. Surely you do. Surely you have to have a... You, you do have to be a little bit new school. And I know we've built a largely old school team here. And we all love our old school. We love our old school more than we love our new school. But you do have to have something more than just being the coach's mate. And the coach's... And actually, that would be unfair on Mike to say the coach's mate because there was plenty of players who didn't like Mike and there was plenty of players who Mike had to kick up the arse. Um, metaphorically, because you're not allowed to do that in the new world. Um, which is a sham on the new world, to be fair. But that's another argument for another day. I, I just feel that Paul, it ended sourly. And we, can, we, we all know that. But I just still feel that I've worked with all of the coaches at the Steelers to date, that, that, that Paul would still be that best one. But I've got a feeling I might be losing this argument because I think, Jonathan, if you were picking between, who would you go with between Blaisdell and Thompson, John? Before we want to get to that, I just want to pick up, uh, Seth, on a couple of things regarding Ben Simon and also link it into what you were saying about what era is this Steelers team operating in. That Ben Simon team scored a ton of goals. There was also the doormats of Newcastle and Edinburgh in that team. If you take out those games against Edinburgh and Newcastle and just pick the games against competitive teams, that is still the highest scoring per game team that the Elite League has seen. So, you know, whenever the standard has been high or whenever it has been low, no team has outscored that Ben Simon team. And yes, that second half of the season, well, there was that run from mid-January to the end of February where in 15 games they won 14 and lost the other one in overtime with a backup netminder. So second half collapses don't tend to don't tend to include 29 points out of 30. The lot of those early season games. How did they do lost, in March and April though, Jonathan? How did they do in March and April? They won their final uh, four games to win the league title, which was all they needed to do. They got across the line. Yeah, they'd lost a game to um, Belfast and, and Nottingham in the run. But we knew at that stage that that wouldn't matter because we only needed four more wins as long as one of them was Belfast at home. So we know how many we needed to win, and that's exactly how many they won. Um, okay, they didn't run away with it, but is that not credit to the other teams around them rather than a knock against Ben Simon? Yeah. But so Jonathan, if your point is that I've... Simon was a man for a crisis, this team is not in crisis. So it yeah. comes down to Thompson or Blaisdell. And... What about Matsos? Why aren't you making the case for Matsos? I don't think the hockey under Matsos was as entertaining as it was under other coaches. It was successful. I don't think it needed to be. I don't think it needed to be as as technical. I don't think it needed to be as. It was a different era, and I. I mean, we all love Matty. We all had great times with Matty. He was a good lad, and. Again, I, I take you back to episode one. I, I spoke to a few players about different players, different positions, different coaches. And a couple of the guys who played under Matt, I said to me, yeah, you know what, the man management, you know, knew when to turn it on, turn it off, was, was, was first class with Dave Matsos. But none of them commented on anything other than that about, about Matty. So I... No, I think Matsos, his, his winning record was excellent. But I think Matsos had a lot of good assistant coaches that didn't also 
perhaps carry the title of assistant coaches. Doug Shepard, we haven't spoke about him. Shepard was very instrumental over the Matsos era, but you also had Munn, you also had Lehman, you also had you had big personalities that, that, that led that team. I think it is a straight fight between uh, between Blazer and Paul. Just to pick okay, up okay. on that, the only coach who left the Sheffield Steelers and went on to win a trophy with another another club, Dave Massos. Hmm. Where did he go? He, he was the OHL champion. OHL, of course, yeah. So, I, was, I thought you meant in England. Yeah. No, 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 an, an OHL champion. So, you know, he, he obviously did did something right and, and developed as a, a coach. I'm absolutely well, torn say, on this. But, but then if you take that argument, Seth, Mike didn't really coach after Sheffield. I know he had that spell in Nottingham. That doesn't really count. Um, Paul went to the DL. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, like, I mean, you know, and also coaching the Alsvenskan, also coached in Denmark. I mean, if, you, if you're looking at that. I'm going to give you a blazer. Are you? Hang on. I'm gonna, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, I'm going to give you... Jonathan, you had to be around sorry. him. He was a... Uh, and this, this team needs that... Car. I think this team... I, I'll, I'll go I'll go with... I, because I can see... I, I still think that, that Paul Thompson... And I, everybody criticises me for saying that Paul Thompson was the best coach we ever had. That was actually a misquote because what I actually said was... I think he's head and shoulders the best coach we've ever had. And I still do, even though it finished sourly. And I understand that. And I can understand people looking at this going, ah, he's your best mate and all that, which is <laughs> But, I, I, and, I, and I still feel he is, and I think he coaches team to a grand slam. I do think he would. Right, but for, just a, a for, a one -off, for a one-off night, I can give you a blazer. But, but for Blaisdale, though... We've got to remember that there's only one season of Elite League to go on, and all the achievements from the Super League days. Um, you won a double in that. We one shouldn't season. be taking them into consideration. We're talking about what they were as their Elite, as elite you, League. But then, coach. but then we but, give the yeah. job to Dave Matsos, then don't we? Because he's the most successful coach in the Elite League era. Well, Paul no, it's just. League. No, it's not saying Paul that because. The point about Blaisdell is that one season still has the best winning percentage of any coach, but there are other coaches who have been here for one year and, and won stuff. Um, so, you know, Simon got my nod, Blazer gets the nod elsewhere, but... Because he won two trophies, not Adams one. Yet. Why have we not talked about Gerard Adams, who came in and took over a team that hadn't been managed well and took them to a playoff final, then got his own players in and went and won a league title. Adams needs to be mentioned in this discussion. 100%, yeah, 100%. Seth, your views on G? Yeah, like him a lot. Um, you know, well, I, I think he's... Likes him, yeah. Sorry? I said everybody likes him a lot. I mean, yeah, that, uh, that's never been... But, but if I'm picking my 1-2-3, or my 1-2, as it is in this case, I think Paul Thompson is the best coach that ever coached the Sheffield Steelers. Without a shadow of a doubt, I think Mike Blaisdell is the coach that I would enjoy coaching, or the guy I would enjoy watching coach this particular group of players. I think um, Paul Thompson he has done many a brilliant thing, and people will only look back when his career eventually finishes, whenever that is at some point in the future, at what he's done for British coaches across the rest of world hockey. You know. And then you'll realise 
the fight that he had within the Sheffield Steelers to modernise the hockey club on the on the playing front and turn it into what it is now, which is the equivalent of any American League hockey club um, in, in North America. It's the equivalent of an awful lot of teams in the SHL in terms of what it has behind the scenes without having the millions and millions of euros that those SHL, those DEL clubs have behind the scenes to be able to, to have the infrastructure they need to be able to run properly. So Paul Thompson has done unbelievable things and you know I fully support David in what he says. Um, but I'm in this for, for laughs and giggles. I also need David to be alongside me in this and not be worried out of his mind that his best mate's getting panned by somebody on Twitter. So I, I need David to be enjoying the ride as Mike Blaisdell um, takes the aliens from the front row and, and introduces them to his, his friends as he deflates them. Um, I, I need Blazer to be wandering around as he has his 15th cup of coffee and he's pacing up and down that, that corridor in between periods as he's absolutely effing and blinding about every single player in the locker room. I need Mike Blaisdell to be coming out in the paper and saying that he will pay for any player that he sees out on the town drinking. Um, he'll pay for them to go home if he sees them out drinking that week. Yet on the Monday night when it gets to the Nickelback concert, he's the first guy at the bar with 20 beers and all the players thought it was a test. That's why I want Mike Blaisdell. He makes a very good point, Jonathan, firmly. We've gone through this saying, if this is a Steelers team to play one game for your life. And if it's going on that criteria, then Blaisdell gets the nod over Thompson. Um, Paul Thompson... Yes. All if the it, characteristics you mentioned. If it was for a season, if it was for a season, I would one hundred percent battle harder for Paul. Yeah, if it, no, was, if it was for 50, the next 50, ten 50 years of games, the club, yeah. in terms of what he was building and the ideas he had and the steps he, you've already spoken about, then yes, it's Thompson. If it's just for one season, there are plenty of candidates. If there are people we need in a crisis or to drop in mid-season, it's different. But Blazer for one game, it's it's hard to argue for that. Thompson has a great coach, absolutely. He's got five elite league titles, the chasing pack. They've made it as far as two. He is way out ahead. Was he as good a coach in Sheffield as he was, maybe, say, in his prime in Coventry? Maybe, maybe not. No, he was a better coach, saw. Jonathan. He was a better coach. I was coach. just going to say the same thing. Mm. It looked like, I can't, like, I'm so frustrated. I'm shaking at the screen right now. Like... You don't understand how it, it, it's like trying to compare one of the first year Sheffield Steelers players, Phil Lee. Try and compare Phil Lee with a Robert Dowd in terms of what they're able to achieve. Or one of the British forwards that, that played back in the day in comparison with Robert Dowd. It is just so far apart. And you have these conversations where they go, yeah, Ian Robertson's a way better player than, than Robert Dowd. No, he's not. In a million years, and that's nothing against Ian Robertson. He played at a different time in a different era with different sticks and different equipment. But you put the players head-to-head, -head, and one skates faster, shoots harder, is bigger, stronger, fitter than the other one. And, and that's it. You know, If you compare Paul Thompson with the 2004 version with Paul Thompson of 2020... He will say, I'm a million times better coach today than I was back then. I happened to recruit a really good team and coach them to amazing success and the wonderful memories. But there's no way in the world that I could say that I was a better coach then than I am now. 
And also, I think, and also people will, will mock, but look at the players he actually brought into Sheffield. I mean, everybody goes, oh, it's Jared Adams' team. And you know what? They had an affinity to G. We all had an affinity to G. From ownership down. There was, there was you know, what happened, happened. But it was a very different team. Yes, Warren and Fretter were still there. Forney wasn't there. And, you know, Fitzgerald comes in. Mustikoff comes in. Levi comes in. Vestberg comes in. Lots of different players came into that uh, that team that won that championship. And I actually think Paul's a better coach today than he was when he was in Sheffield. And I think he was a better coach in Sheffield than he was when he was in in, uh, in Coventry. Now, you're not going to convince the majority of the fan base of that ever. Just because, for whatever reason, and there's various reasons. One of them's maybe me. One of them may be just because, you know... Paul had given an answer to to it to a fan who, who probably deserved it when uh, when some other coaches wouldn't do. Um, so I I still think he's head and shoulders the best coach we've ever had. But I think for this one off night where we're going to have a real good laugh and we're going to have a giggle, we'll go with Mike Water Blaisdell. That that's I'll I'll, I'll give Mike uh, that vote. And I will have to say, and even though like it, I I loved working with Paul um, in Sheffield. But my fun times, if you go back all the way through, I have two little eras where I say they were the fun times. One is on the back of the bus with Rob Wilson and David Longstaff and Andre Marlowe and, and those boys. That was fun. And the other time was fun was when I was then at the front of the bus with Mike and Rick Brabant. Um, and if you want a good fun time and Blazers just desire to, to win and screw you mentality as well, um, I, I, I think Mike Blaisdell was, was the boy. Are we, are we decided that we got a two to one vote on that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with Blaisdell. I'm going on that somewhere. Are you, okay? are you okay with that, Jonathan? I am. Yeah. I, just to, just to wrap up the Thompson well, who, thing. Okay. Then who would you, who would you, who would you go with then? If you, if, if you, you can't have Simon. I will go with Blaisdell. The decision, you know, between uh, if it's between Thompson and Blaisdell, I'll, I'll go with Blaisdell. Just to wrap up the thing on on Thompson, just to finish off. In terms of maybe my judgment of him, the season, obviously, the, you know, the the first few games of his final year, it wasn't great, and the season before, it wasn't really much of a, a title contention. I was thinking, well, if he was such a good coach, why were we not closer to that Cardiff team? And I know there's, there's all the sorts injuries. of arguments to be made. Injuries. Well, yeah, I mean, to be fair, the, the biggest tick in Paul Thompson's coaching box for me is he won a league with Marek Pinsingol. That's a heck of a coaching job to get yeah. that team through to a championship like they did. So, yeah, it, it's not a knock on, on Thompson at all. But if it comes down to one game right now f- for the life, then, yeah, Blaisdell gets my vote. Okay then, boys. Let's uh, let's recap, and let's. Uh, I'm sorry, it's taken so long. People, I think people will have enjoyed it. I think they enjoy the debates, Thoris. I think they will, but uh, and they're going to enjoy it now, and they're going to come back, and they're going to batter us on um, social media now for the first time with uh, their selections. But this is what Jonathan Fernley, Seth Bennett, and uh, myself came up with: our goaltenders. With Jody Lehman and Jeff Walhouse. On the back end, the incredible Steve Munn, the most versatile and uh, terrific player, Rod Sarich. 
that grumpiest, nastiest, miserable man we've probably ever had walk into the arena. Dion Darling. And then probably one of the nicest blokes that's ever walked in, Kevin Bollerbrook. Ben O'Connor, I think you have to say, without a shadow of a doubt, the best British defenceman this country has ever produced. And uh, we hear you, Mark Richardson, and we hear your Cardiff fans about Richie, different players, but Ben O'Connor, a special talent. And Davy Phillips, and when you think about Davy when he joined us, a lot of people criticised that movie was going to get a haul. He had that horrible year in Manchester. Um, but he's come in here, and he has been nothing but terrific. So O'Connor and Phillips rounded off. And then we decided up front to go with the king, Matthew Waugh. Magical Mark Dudium and Colton Fretter. What a first line. Joey Talbot, Jeff Legui and Rob Dowd. They are our second unit. Ben Simon. Well, he sent us Kent Simpson and Ashley Tate in that third unit that we talked so long about. And then we come back with Ryan Finnerton, Jonathan Phillips and Guillaume Debien. Jonathan Phillips is our captain and Michael Walter Blaisdell with a dog called Sheffield is our head coach. I'm happy with that. I hope you are. Seth, a final word on, uh, on the team that we've put together. We've talked about it for many years. I guess... If coronavirus continues, we'll put a ISL version together and we'll probably have some kind of fantasy game between the two sides. But uh, your, your, your final version on that team and, and why you'd enjoyed looking at it so much. Uh, I'm shattered. That's the first part of this. I mean, this, is, this has been an emotional experience having to fight for the players that you believe in when you know the pool of players is fantastic. Um, this is a team that has heart, it has soul, it has passion, it has skill, it has speed. It has everything that makes me want to go and watch hockey. It has everything that had me as a 13-year-old standing up in the Sheffield Arena, watching down at what was going on and thinking, crikey, I want to be involved in this. I've got to come back next week. We have to have a ticket for this event. This is a team you can hang your hat on. You can believe in. This is a team that won't take a night off. This is a team that will win you a lot of games, a lot of championships, and they're going to be an awful lot of fun to be around as well. Uh, it is a dream team, and if only, David, if, if only we could watch them go out and play, that would be something. It would indeed. And Jonathan, I know I'd enjoy announcing it. I know on BBC Five Live, Seth would enjoy commentating on it. And on Steelers TV, I know you do the same, but what a team to commentate on this one would be. Fantastic. There's so many of my favourite players there. Um, heroes, as, as I was a younger younger person growing up and uh, seeing them uh, over the years and seeing them to this present day, some of them, is, uh, is a great thrill and a great privilege to be doing what I'm doing. Um, it's just the memories that this, this chat has brought back, of, you know, a chance to... You know, have another think about that. You know, that Jeff Leguie goal against Belfast and that title-winning goal and that playoff moment and all those other great things that have happened throughout the Steelers Elite League era. It's been it's been wonderful. I've got some I've got some numbers here because of, of course I do. Um, of course you do. Steelers in the Elite League era, two hundred and forty-four different players that we could have picked from. One hundred and seventy-eight of those scored goals. Um, across League Cup and European fixtures in that time. We've played 1,150 games and we've won 701 of them. We've had 104 shutouts and we've scored 72 hat-tricks from 39 different players. And folks, that's why he is our Steelers TV man. 
Brilliant uh, stats to uh, wrap up with there, Jonathan. Seth, thank you for your time. Uh, Jonathan, thank you for yours. And also to Dave Burnham, who is going to edit this together. I think our third uh, episode is an hour and a half long. So uh, we hope you've enjoyed the debate. It is just that. It's debate. It's opinion. Of course, at the end of the day, it's only mine that really matters. But uh, we've had great fun putting it all together. I'm going to give you just one question each, boys, and just a name, not a reason, just a name. One guy out of the Elite League era that would just automatically jump into this team. Um, I'm going to start off with Scotty Allison. Seth? David Longstaff. Jonathan? Ron Shudra. Well, folks, that's a debate for another day. And if this virus continues, you can rest assured we'll be having it here on Steelers TV. Thanks for watching. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of the day or night it is. We're recording this at about half past one in the morning. And we hope uh, you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Take care and most of all, stay safe.